This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features for free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Well, some of the uh, the news in the past week has centered around the early release of Michael Moore's new movie, Sicko, which is uh, another one of his sort of in-your-face documentaries, which I like Michael Moore's style, yeah. but I hate his politics. Can't stand his politics. He's definitely a socialist, and uh, so that's where you, you know where the message in this movie is going to go. Yeah, usually he's he's great at pointing out what went wrong, and yeah, very yeah. bad at pointing out a solution. Um, it, you know, it's it's like, well, currently the government's sp- spending three trillion dollars on missiles, so we should take that three trillion dollars and give it away to poor people, because yeah. they've got crack addictions and stuff. You know, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah, pretty much. There you go. So I wanted to, uh, Wayne, you'd mentioned that you had a review of Sicko. Now, none of us have seen it. I don't even think it's hit the theaters yet. Has it at this point? Or uh, Evidently, there was a, a online version available. Yes, it's it is online, but it's um it's not an official version. The the company that's distributing the film has been cracking down on the those who have posted the movie onto sites like YouTube and, and Google Video and that sort of thing. Um, because even though Michael Moore has come out and said publicly that he doesn't care if people distribute his movie on the internet, mm-hmm. the Weinstein uh, the Weinstein company does care. I bet they do. And so they are busy shutting the distribution down as much as they possibly can. But nonetheless, I mean, it's on the torrent sites and it, it's available. Yeah. Well, th- there was a review of it on the rawstory.com, rawstory.com rather, website uh, this week and it's entitled moore's new movie traces Healthcare crisis to nixon administration uh and it goes michael moore has a secret to share the executives controlling america's healthcare industry don't really care about the health of americans well i would i would agree with that wouldn't you it, it sounds accurate enough to me so far so good on that in his latest movie sicko which opens June 29th, Moore uses personal stories from Americans who found themselves in financial ruin because of unwieldy medical bills, examples of superior free care available abroad, and an examination of the pharmaceutical and health insurance industry's political clout. So, right there, again, uh, with the political clout part, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, as far as the superior socialized medicine abroad, now... For every one story I hear that, of superior socialized medicine, I hear five or ten horror stories. Yeah. So, I've never actually heard uh, any of the superior stories beyond people just touting their system as the best. That The people in the countries have been brought up by the governments there. They've been told in Canada, for instance, that, that theirs is the best health care system in the world. And, and they believe it. Many of them do. Many of them don't. They come here to the United States to get their treatment done when they, when they need something done. Um, but... There are a lot of people that just sort of fall into line, and they just parrot that sort of mentality. I don't know if there actually are any really good stories. I'm sure you're probably right. Inevitably, you can pick something out, oh, because I've, if you throw I've enough money at a problem, yeah. somebody's going to get some treatment that'll work for them. But it's the nightmare stories that you really need to be concerned with. It's right. the ones where people are waiting months and months and months just to get seen by a general practitioner, the good who then refers you to a um, a more specific doctor, and then you have to wait more months and months and months in order to get to even be seen by that person. The good stories really are from people who wouldn't be able to afford medical care 
at all. Um, for some reason or another, they, uh, they've spent all their money on camel cigarettes or on bush beer or whatever it is that they've done with their money. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have no money at all, and they wouldn't be able to get uh, medical care supposedly otherwise. And so that, at that point, it's touted as, well, we're bringing medical care to the poor people. What it doesn't mention is the 90-something percent of the population that are in the uh, middle classes, lower middle class, upper middle class, that are now getting inferior uh, medical care as a result of the universal health care. Um, so, you know, the the lowest of the low out there who are doing their very, very, very level best to uh, ruin their health with uh, cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, and every other, um, you know, sleeping out in the rain and God knows what else, those people are getting superior care by universal health care. Unfortunately, you have to sit with them in the waiting room, but um, yeah, that's what happens when you go to the emergency room. Anyway, it, you know, those are the people that are being helped, mm. and Great. I wish that they would. I, I want them to get better uh, medical care. But I don't think that all of us need to suffer in the process and uh, triple the cost of our medical care in order to do it. And cause rationing and inefficiencies and so on. What I found interesting was there actually was a piece done about Ron Paul recently on one of the leftist uh, radio shows. And they were pretty objective. But one thing they said, which was kind of cool, was they, they talked about how when he was a physician, he didn't accept Medicare mm-hmm. or any or any of this the the government programs, but what he would do is if somebody couldn't afford care, he'd give it to him for free voluntarily. Yeah. That's the way it ought to be. Yeah, uh, ch- charitable solutions are the right way to go. But Michael Moore's not going to go there in his movie. Did you have more from the actual? Um... Well, b- before you go on, I wanted to make another yeah. point. Is um, something else that they're not mentioning in this whole socialized healthcare thing um, when they when they mention Canada is that Canadian drug prices are significantly less because Canada sets prices that it's able that the Canadian government sets prices that it's willing to pay for each drug so mm-hmm. their prices are significantly less well um in some cases the United States is subsidizing by our higher uh, drug prices. We're subsidizing the, the research and development of the drugs that Canada is not, the Canadian government is not willing to pay yeah. um, for. So we're paying for it, and we're subsidizing the world's um, medical, you know, pharmaceutical care. Yeah, the whole thing's just so a mess. If we changed ours, what's going to happen to the world medical system? Everything's yeah. going to go up. Well, there, there are also, to be fair, there are also a lot of drugs that don't even need to be developed because there already are cures for them. Mm-hmm. They just aren't drugs that are patented. So you have a problem with patents being too generous. So there's there's false incentives to to, to uh, produce uh, exclusive type products. Uh, of course, you've got the government regulating health care uh, and the FDA and the Federal Trade Commission, mm-hmm. and they're all breathing down everybody's backs. And, and just the time it takes a doctor in a, or a medical profession to fill out all these forms and go through all this is, is adds to the cost greatly. Probably 40% of the cost is just filling out forms. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's what I like to ask whenever I'm around someone who works in the healthcare industry is, well, how much of your day do you spend filling out paperwork? That's right. Sometimes the answers will shock you. Mm. Yeah. 90%. And, and the, the most important thing with efficiency is making sure that the time with patients, caring for patients, is maximized. And that cannot be done when, you, when you're filling out paperwork nope. constantly. No. Nope. And, and you're told, you know, you've got to use these drugs because this thing over here is not standard of care, quote unquote. So you've got to use this drug or that drug, which are really expensive and bloated in price. The profit margins on these things are completely insane. And that's fine, except there's a lot of drugs that would not exist if we had a true free market in medicine. Why is that? Well, because, well, there were herbs, for example, that have been around thousands of years that do the same thing. And that's what a lot of the, dr- the drugs were, uh, were developed from. Right, except the people that are selling the herbs aren't allowed by law to actually make claims about those herbs. That's right, because that's of right. the FDA. That's correct. 
So the FDA, in, a, in essence, is sort of protecting all of the pharmaceutical companies in their proprietary formula versions of uh, of the same herbs that you could get from you know, the herbal supplement company. Yes, exactly. And there are some drugs that are very useful. Penicillin was useful. There, there are many, but there are, you know, there's a high percentage of them that are really unnecessary, and they've spent hundreds of billions of dollars getting these developed, and then they put their profit margin on top of that, and that's what you're paying in, in, in health care costs. 1-800-259-9231. If you've got a, I don't know, a socialist health care nightmare story. Actually, we were talking about socialist health care in Canada a couple nights ago on the show. And I pulled something up about one particular doctor in Canada who took took a fight, not to bring Canada to a free market, but just a fight to open up some level of private um, care in Canada. He took a fight all the way to the Supreme Court, and he won. Mm. So uh, it's kind of an interesting story, and I will share that with you here in moments. But let's go to Canada and talk to Eric in uh, somewhere. I don't know. Eric, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, just to let you know, I'm in Vancouver, and uh, this isn't what I called to talk about, but since we're talking about Canadian health care, I might as well say some things. I believe you were talking about the doctor who won uh, the Supreme Court, and I think the Supreme Court made an amazing statement, which is that you do not have a right to wait and die in a line mm. or something to that extent. Yeah, I have that quote somewhere here in this article. It was, uh, it was a pretty good, uh, pretty powerful statement that they made, yes. Yeah, and... Uh, if you- you said an example of a horror story. Well, because, you know, wait times are so insane. There was a woman in Alberta, and she needed, uh, her fetus was dying, and she needed to have it, you know, aborted. Mm. So, and it, and she, it happened right in the waiting room, and, like, right there, a fetus, and there was blood oh everywhere. And it, it Eric, sounds- we'll bring you back. Hang on, 800-259-9231. Oh. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features there are totally free. And that does include live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version as well, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. And Pork Fest is going on right now. That's the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's the Free State Project's doing. Uh, it's happening right now, going all the way through Sunday at Pork Fest, you'll be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who have made the move, as well as socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. Get the schedule of events, find out what's going on, and see if you see if you can make it up here. It's not too late. Uh, really, things start to they sort of slowly build throughout the week, and then uh, they come to their apex on Saturday. That's when all the really big stuff is going on, and that's when we're going to be out there. As yep. a matter of fact, is on Saturday. Part of the big stuff. So looking forward to seeing many of you there. That's but we saw um, they, they had one of their tours coming through Keene today, uh, one of the Free State Project tour, I guess, the bus. bus tour, yeah. Right. And um, it was like a van, though. It was a van. Was, yeah. Well, you know, we, we use bus in any manner we please around yeah. here. Um, but uh, I happened to see them on Main Street, so I got a chance to talk to some potential uh, Free State movers. Yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. cool. Did they have like a tour guide on the bus with a microphone pointing think, out all the interesting spots? I think they had Russell, Russell Canning, Canning yeah. yeah. Oh, Russell. <laughs> Which, you know, he's, he's a lot of fun. He's a really fun guy. Uh, you know, he might be fringe politically, but he's a great dude, that's for sure. Russell's completely apolitical, actually, I think. Well, I, I 
I think that others might interpret it differently. But anyway, I got a chance to talk to a couple of people, Sam and Dale. It was nice. Right. So uh, anyway, we'll be there Saturday, porkfest.com, as we go back to the phones talking about Canadian health care. And I think actually Eric had called in for a different reason, because you can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. Eric in Canada, you're back on the show. Uh, yeah, hey, guys. Uh, hey, yeah, you, you can discuss uh, Canadian health care after. I, I just really wanted to uh, talk about a great series that everyone can watch on Video Google called Commerce and Culture. What is by that? Paul Cantor. What is it? And, uh, well, it's, as it explains, he talks about a very good 10-part series about the history of culture, classical music, paintings, Shakespeare, and uh, how the free market had an impact on that. And he dispels the myth that the free market produces bad art, and he dispels hmm. the myth that a centralized art system is needed to have a good art. Oh, like uh, like the public public money going to artists, you're saying? Yeah. Uh, How does he dispel that, that myth? Because uh, most of us are not going to go and watch this series, so can you uh, sum it up? Yeah. Uh, for example, like in Canada, a lot of our, like the National Theatre and the National Ballet is in Ottawa, and there's this need that you need to centralize the art system. And he uses examples about, you know, in uh, Flanders and Germany, the city-states where Bach was from, and how this decentralized systems of government helped to create uh, good culture because of the competition from rival countries. Mm-hmm. Now, and, uh, so they're saying in Canada that it's a good idea to have all the uh, ballet and, 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 and the highest art in uh, Ottawa. What about the yeah. people in Saskatchewan? They don't get to see high art? or Yeah, that's generally the idea. And uh, just one more point. <laughs> Uh, he, he makes an excellent point about Shakespeare. In Shakespeare's days, his theaters were located with the brothels and the beer halls. So that's how highly the society valued Shakespeare mm-hmm. in those times. And uh, he pointed out that if there had been government grants in those w- days, there was no way in hell that Shakespeare would have received a single dime of money. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right, well, I'll probably post it on your forum. Thanks, dude. Really appreciate that. that's great. That's a nice piece. Thank you. And I think it's important to point out that I've never even heard that objection before about, oh, if we don't have government, then we won't have any good art. I've heard that objection. But I I suppose it it would come from artists who are getting government money. Um, Or people that support that. There are a lot of musicians out there, for instance, and I'm pretty sure there's no musician subsidies in in America. There may be for symphony, but... uh that'd be about it right but but as far as bands and performers are concerned there's a lot of musicians in america and uh, most of them most of them aren't making much money if any at all yeah um you know they they are lucky in many cases to get something from the bar owner that's having them out to play um they're lucky yeah, they're to sell lucky a to couple get a, cds to get in the bar to be able to play i mean yeah. that's that's a whole another level of musician, musician out there so so even though there's all this competition for in the music world all these performers out there competing for listeners ears and and their dollars they still manage to keep cranking out songs even though they aren't actually necessarily getting rich off of them mm-hmm. they still do it why well part of the reason why we we do this radio show uh 6 nights a week why we did it for free for so long because we love to do radio they love to do music and there are plenty of artists that love to do art they don't care if they sell their paintings or not i think a lot of artists understand well, they want to but right but i think a lot of them understand that realistically 
you just have to do it. Uh, if you ever want to even have a chance at selling the paintings, you have to get out there and, and do them for free and, and show them and, and not get very much money for them. And then maybe someday you can make some, some money off it. But I don't think very many of them expect to really make a living off of art, do they? Well, I think they, I think so they want hard. to, but, um, you know, that's, it's, it's a long-term goal of theirs. Yeah. But to think that they would... But it's uh, not very realistic, I don't think. Yeah, you know, I think that, that when you when you love what you do, and you do it long enough, and you really love it, I think people get that, and it makes your art more appealing. Or if you're making a product, uh, let's say it's a custom-type product, it doesn't matter, because art is a custom product in a way, mm-hmm. whether you keep it yourself or you sell it. And and those types of things actually work must, uh, best at a decentralized level. Now, if you're making something fungible, like a paperclip, or uh, a notebook or something like that, then fungible central means re- fungible means it's 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 reproducible. It, it's okay. homogeneous. Yeah. Mm. Um, there you go again. Yeah. Something <laughs> unoriginal. <laughs> yeah. Something unoriginal. Right. Then centralizing the production of it makes sense. But most things, including education, that's that's unique too. That's that's not one size fits all. Right. So there's so many things that actually work better decentralized. Than centralized uh, in, in the in the production of, of that, and then of course once you get into centralization of art funding, then you get into the normal problems that you have when it comes to government uh, programs, and and that is government programs that people want to have influence over. That is like like education, where there are different interest groups tugging at that government money, saying, "Well, that's not real art. Mine's real art, and uh, you should give me the money because you know the the S Jesus or whatever it was. You know how people get all upset about the controversial art that." comes out of some of the government funding. Right, I think, I think they're still, prob- they're still uh, bringing up Piss Christ uh, from 10 years ago or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And I have to say that, you know, I find it offensive. Um, and there's, there's right. I wouldn't have paid to go and see that. Right. Uh, and I'm an, I'm an atheist. I just don't care. I, I'm not interested in funding art like that. But yet, when you've got government funding of art, then inevitably you're going to be paying for art you never would have uh, wanted to pay for. Yeah. And who wants that? If your art's any good... Then someone will buy it. Yeah. Yep. If not, then keep cranking it out anyway, just to make yourself happy, or go find something else to do. You don't have a right to be an artist. You don't have a right to make money. Uh, you can be an artist, but you don't. Have, excuse me. You don't have a right to be a profitable artist. Mm-hmm. As much as they would like to think that they they're just the greatest gift to the art world that has ever existed. I doubt that that there's very many artists out there that are, especially the the ones that are trying to break into the business, that think that they are the greatest thing that the art world ever. Well, seen. the ones that are getting subsidies must think they're worth something, right? I'm they, sure they de- do. They're demanding the subsidies, and they're so probably requesting them and getting lucky. Somebody has to get them, right? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the SACL CAI toll free line for you. Tom and Chris coming up. Your calls as well. Ladies first if you make the calls. 800-259-9231 and more about the Canadian healthcare nightmare. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at (laughs) amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site are totally free. And some of those features do include the uh, the bulletin board system. Got about 250,000 posts there. Over 1,500 people are interacting. They're serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all. 
and it's all completely free. bbs.freetalklive.com. Get you to it. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And do you know that nine out of ten lawsuits in the world are filed right here in the United States? Any number of lawsuits, court orders, or greedy bureaucrats can leave you and your family penniless. At KeepYourAssets.net, they're experts in sheltering your wealth. You'll see that KeepYourAssets.net can help you to be protected against those that wish to take your assets. That's KeepYourAssets.net. As we go to the phones and to the fun, it is Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. What's up, Tom? Well, on uh, Memorial Day weekend of 2004, an Albuquerque, New Mexico narcotics detective got busted for drunk driving in Red River, New Mexico. And on March 10th of 2005, a 44-year-old Albuquerque, New Mexico police sergeant uh, got stopped for weaving and got busted for driving drunk. And in June of 2005, a 27-year-old Albuquerque, New Mexico police officer uh, got busted for drunk driving after he crashed an unregistered car into a utility pole. So wait a minute, there's two themes here, right? There's Albuquerque and police officers. Yeah, and then there was on 9 March of 2006, a 25-year-old Albuquerque, New Mexico police officer uh, uh, got busted for drunk driving after crashing a patrol car. Oh, boy. And uh, let's see, what else? Uh, a Bernalillo County, New Mexico deputy sheriff got busted for driving drunk, 33 years old, on 3 April of 2006. Uh, you know, and I bet it's kind of rare for, um, for cops to actually uh, charge a fellow police officer with drunk driving. I bet that. Uh, yeah, I would, how I often do they let them off? Yeah, I would think that they would uh, let Wink them nudge. off. Yeah. yeah. Are you, you saying, get are home. Are you saying that this area of New Mexico is one of the few places in the country that enforces these laws against police officers? Uh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the cops are driving around drunk out <laughs> in New Mexico because they're bad people. That's what cops do. They drive around drunk. And, uh, <laughs> see, they, they go around arresting people for drinking responsibly. I mean, uh, even if they are queers, they still have every right oh, to boy. drink responsibly. Come on, okay. Tom. That's not nice. Yeah. Well, I said they had a right to drink responsibly. No, no, you so said they were queers. Nice what what, what do you mean by that? You're talking about the cops? They're, they're the queers? The or? cops that, that uh, busted that gym down there in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, right, wow. the story we talked about, about last that. night. Yeah, you were talking about them, and I started thinking, hey, they're out there arresting people uh, very brutally for drinking responsibly, yep. and then they're out there driving around drunk. Amazing now, hypocrisy. Uh, Thank you for the call, on, Tom. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Just a recap for you, Wayne, and those just tuning in last night, the story was that, uh, and I have absolutely nothing against um, gay people at all, uh, so th- the story was that in Albuquerque there was this gym, a gay gym, where they were having sort of an after-hours shindig party, and uh, they had some tacos and some liquor, and the cops busted in, pointed weapons at everyone in there, and then uh, proceeded to run checks on everyone, which took at least an hour, apparently. And they uh, and the, the patrons were in their 70s, many of them were. And so that's where, that's where he's pointing out, I guess, the hypocrisy, that it's, oh, okay, so they're going to go in and bust uh, this party up and force these 70-year-old men to lay on the floor while they're handcuffed and waiting to be uh, processed while they get to go out and drink in their squad cars. Oh, I know, and the 70-year-old gay guys are really testy. Testy. Is that a pun? 1-800-259-9231. Let's go to Chris in uh, Indianapolis. Chris, what's on your mind? Uh, Speaking of gay yesterday, uh, Mark called me gay. Did he? Why? I I called in about the the shrine. Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I I, I was wanting uh, male listeners. But anyway, after he called me gay, I went and I joined the AMP program. 
Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, Congratulations. And, uh, that always happens. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, never got a confirmation email when I tried to sign up for the BBS. So should I just email you? Yeah, go ahead and email me on that. I'll uh, I'll take care of it. Uh, sometimes it messes up. I don't know. Maybe it happens from time to time, or maybe your email dropped it or went into yeah. the spam pile or something like that. Well, that's cool. But anyway, I wanted to talk about uh, Tom and his cop thing. Uh, like, I don't like cops either, but I don't know. I just, I don't like cops. There was this one cop, uh, you know the U.S. Grand Prix, the F1 race? Uh, nope, I it's don't. a race, but it is a race, uh, I'm sure. Well, it was this weekend in Indianapolis, I was down there driving around, and, like, you know how they got the roads coordinated off? I was just pulling up. I pulled up to a cop. There was a gaggle of them, and I was just, you know, asking him where I should should I go. And the guy was just being a total, you know, not a nice guy. A jerk. Yeah. 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 He wasn't and acting like somebody whose uh, paycheck was paid by you. Yeah, exactly. I, I was thinking that exact same thing today. And that's just. Oh, man, it's just it's ridiculous. Dude. That's yeah. how they tend to be. Not all of them are that way. Some Certainly, of them... I, I, I found a lot of good directions from police officers. Then again, I've gotten lost from directions from police officers. Yeah, but, a, lot um, of them have, a lot of them are really cool, but, man, those ones that aren't, they just... I mean, yeah. they want you to do something to them, or they want you to... You know, I mean, I what I did was I looked the guy right in the eyes, and I just rolled my eyes like he was nothing, because, hmm. God, I... I You've got to be careful with the ones that are like that, too, because know. you know if you ask them for their badge number, you ask them for, uh, for some identification, they could get really uppity, they could trump up some charges, they could... Uh, you never know. I mean, they're, they're dangerous. They're like rabid animals. You have to treat them with, with kid gloves. Basically. Maybe not rabid animals, but like wild animals. You never know what it's going to do, necessarily. Well, or a strange dog. That's yeah. a better, better analogy. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, if, if you have any kind of uh, preconceived notion about cops... Uh, you're gonna, they're going to feel that. Mm-hmm. And I think you have, to, you have to approach every police officer objectively like this is a good cop until proven otherwise. Everyone with me starts with 100 points. And if you do that, most of the time you're not going to be putting out something that's going to trigger them. I think that that's probably good advice. Yeah, I agree with that, absolutely. Chris, any other thoughts? Uh, no. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I'll tell you, it can be difficult, though, when you, uh, when, when you do a radio show where... Six nights a week, you have a tendency. You're reading about uh, people that are abusing their authority, and a lot of those people happen to tend to be police officers. It can be very difficult to uh, look a cop in the eye and think this is a good person. I need to deal with them on a one-on-one. I don't think um, that it's a good person. I, I don't think it's a good person up front. Um, but I will give them the benefit of the doubt until they prove otherwise that right. they're a scumbag. I mean, I don't necessarily. I like to presume that people in general are good until they prove themselves otherwise. Cops, I just I have a tough time giving them, you know, that same treatment. Well, Mark, I, think, uh, I think Wayne's advice is sage. Well, you know what, Mark? You also uh, said something really interesting because you said that a lot of times you're, you're hearing all these horror stories about people abusing power, and so you're exposed to a lot of that, so it's hard to say that. But at the same time, if you're a police officer, uh, you're being put in situations where you're seeing the world disproportionately. You're seeing mm-hmm. the world as 90% scumbag. Right, as lots of to, criminals. Yeah, and so you tend, as, as a police officer, if you put yourself in their place, you tend to look at the whole world differently than you would if you were a citizen who wasn't dealing with scumbags all the time. Yeah, but that's not an excuse for misbehavior. No, absolutely. I, I mean, agree you, with that. This, this, like, it reminds me of working in retail. Even if you get a lousy customer that comes up to the counter and is just treating you like trash and you get very upset, you've got to have a smile on your face for that next customer. You, just because they're another customer doesn't mean that they're going to be a bad one. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the, I wish more cops would take that attitude when it comes to uh, people. us. Yeah. Well, they have to willingly one bad guy. Well, they have to willingly choose that attitude, whereas right. the store clerk that doesn't take that attitude is going to be fired in short order. 
Whereas a cop um, that ha- has a bad attitude towards his constituents, um, because they're not really customers, he uh, he's probably going to get away for, with it for years. Yeah, nothing happens to them. That's part and parcel of uh, of how they work. But but I I try to look at cops as people. I try to look at cops as a guy who's in a you know shiny suit with a flashy badge. Uh, they're they're people that have been told that they have authority. I don't personally believe that they actually do because again you can't grant someone something that you don't have to grant in the first place. And since we're all equal, um, theoretically at least, I'd like to think that. Uh, since we're all equal as men and women, then we cannot, we don't have authority over one another. Wayne, you don't have more authority than Mark or I. I don't have more authority than either of you. Um, so I can't grant to Mark some authority I don't have in order to rule over you, Wayne. It just doesn't work. And if you and I want to get together, Wayne, we can't together grant Mark a bunch of authority either. We just don't have it to do. So I try to remember that when I'm dealing with the police, that these are just people, too. They're people with problems. They're people with family issues, problems with their spouse. And uh, you just have to remember that because they don't want you to remember that. They want you to think they're in charge. Oh, of course, they are. They've got the gun. But they want you to think they're an authority figure. They want you to forget that they're just somebody wearing a uniform. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by going and buying some stuff at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. 41 categories to shop in, all sorts of different products. You're going to need to do the shopping anyway. Why bother leaving the house? Uh, Why bother going and fighting the crowds and the shopping centers and all that? You can... Order online at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Feel good because you got a pretty good deal and uh, hopefully free Super Saver shipping. A lot of their items have that as an option. And finally, the most, the number one reason, of course, in my mind, is that well, a percentage of your sale will go to Free Talk Live. So I mean, there's really no reason not to. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And you know what? Here's a here's a shopping tip for those of you that might be new to internet shopping. If you feel the need to go and hold a product in your hand or go and test a product, use the big box stores for that. Go out, test the products, and then come back and buy it at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com because we get a cut, and that's a good thing. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. So we go to the phones, and to the fun, it is Owen in Washington. You're on Free Talk Live, Owen. Hey, I called you in last time. I I advocated everyone paying and loose change. Yes, paying uh, fines and that sort of thing. Right. You guys remember that? Yes. Well, something you guys said after I'd hung up mistakenly was that uh, you'd warn me to be aware that they may ask for my name and address and all the rolls of coins. That's mm-hmm. what Mark said, yes. So I unrolled all the coins. Uh, th- I they don't, don't understand. Uh, they don't, well, he just gave them a big pile of coins. Yes, and they refused. They refused the coins? Yes. I bet they did. What did they tell you, though? I mean, you you well, were trying to, to make rolled. the payment. You what? Well... They said, well, they have to be rolled. The bank won't accept them unless they're rolled. And I said, roll them. Because I'm not paying the bank, I'm paying the state. Hmm. <laughs> then what? Well, then I asked for them to give me a, some sort of officiating signature stating that the coins have to be rolled. Okay. I needed somebody to give it to me in writing and assign it saying that they had to be rolled. They refused to do that. So, how much was the fine that you were paying anyway? 
It was uh, three hundred and three dollars. Good God, that's a lot of pennies. How did you bring well, that in there? It wasn't. It wasn't pennies. It was mixed coins. Oh, okay. That's nice. even more fun. That's nice. Did you did you uh, use that that this uh, this money is uh, you know uh, legal tender and good for all debts, public and private? Yes. And what they say to that? Well, it has to be rolled. Yeah. <laughs> well, how did you bring? I don't know what to say about that. I did make a mistake. What now? Here's a mistake I did make. Okay. I left $133 rolled, and I did use three $1 bills. So they accepted the rolled coins and the three $1 bills. Okay. They refused the rest. What are so you going to I do went now? I went in the next day with a witness, and they threatened to call the police on me. They're going to call the police Why? on you? Why? Because you're bringing, harassing them? For bringing change into the building? Well, no. Attempting to pay the debt. With what? loose change. Very strange. What would the charge be? Disorderly conduct or something? Well, I don't know. I talked to a former Snohomish County sheriff, mm-hmm. the sheriff's deputy, and he said that if he had been called out to the scene, he would have laughed at the guys and told them, hey, listen, you guys either accept the money or write it off. Huh. <laughs> well, Very you found a good one there. So now what is it? How do you – okay, so you paid a portion of the uh, of the fine – but yes. what are they expecting from you now? What are they demanding out of you at this point? Are they, are they saying that you, you've still got X amount of days to uh, settle this up, or, or where, where do you currently stand with them? Well, their claim is that, well, I had to have paid this by Saturday, last Saturday, mm-hmm. and I went in there last Thursday and Friday. But they're still saying I owe $167. Well, I have it in a bucket, in a coin, and on Friday when I went in with a witness... They told me that they were going to have me and my witness sit down and talk to a judge about this. Good. Bring it on. And and then the guy goes back because he said it was going to happen right then. The guy goes back and disappears for a couple of minutes. Then he comes back and says, we're not going to roll the coins for you. Get out of here or we're calling the police. <laughs> you know, as though a judge is just going to walk right up and be able to help you. Come on. It takes months to be able to see one of those guys. They're busy napping in their office or whatever. But they're not going to roll the coins for you. They're going to roll the coins for themselves. You're just giving them the coins. It's their, it should be their responsibility to roll the damn coins. <laughs> they're not going to do any want. work. Right, yeah, exactly. I don't know what I don't I don't know what advice to give because it's it's clear that the, they don't have to take them if they don't want to because they're Actually, the government. They do. Why don't you buy some hot dog rolls and put them in hot dog rolls? <laughs> put them on the desk. They're rolled. I was going to take butcher paper and roll it up like a giant joint. I'm not saying that le- that there's not some that you don't have some kind of legal leg to stand on because I think you do. I'm just saying they don't have to. Otherwise, they would have. Do you understand? Like the way they have oh. to draw breath or die, they don't have to. Well, a guy at UPS where I work with uh, back when we accepted cash was fired. When somebody, uh, because we've had CODs, he went up and delivered a package that was COD, and somebody gave him a bucket full of dimes. Oh, God. And he said, no, we can't accept that. And when he got word back that he didn't accept the bucket of dimes, he was fired. Wow, that's amazing. Well, he didn't work for the government. Yeah, yeah that was the private true. sector. Now, I, now I wonder, you know, if you went in there and they refused your payment, because that's essentially what they've done. You've come in with the money that they're demanding from you, and they refused your payment. Would you be able to get any way to, you know, I know you brought the witness in, and I suppose that would be good enough as opposed to bringing in a video camera or having them sign an affidavit well, or something like that. I have like it that. on video. You do have it on video? The audio side, I don't actually have, it's not a real good video, and the audio kind of sucks because my cameraman, who is my witness, wasn't top-notch. 
Gotcha. That's unfortunate. Because that sounds like it'd be a, it'd be a great YouTube video or something like that. Oh, yeah. Well, believe me, I plan on videotaping it myself at the end of the month when I go in to pay my criminal tickets. So you're going to try this again? Oh, hell yeah. Now, is it going to be the same? Is it the, is it the clerk of court that you're going in to, uh, to pay this at? The circuit court, yes. The, okay, so the, uh, the local court. So the, the same. Uh, this, it's the same bureaucracy then. So they've already seen you, and now you're going to come see them again with with more coinage. Oh yes, but this time I'm going to make sure it's three hundred dollars. <laughs> make sure it's all loose and mixed. Awesome. <laughs> they can't wait to see hey, you. By the way, I have you. a question for you. Are, are these? Uh, is it crowded there when you go there, or is it like nobody there and they're twiddling their thumbs? Well, when I went out on Thursday, it was really crowded, and then when I went out on Friday, my brother and I, who was my witness and my cameraman. We were the only people there. Oh boy! What's the relevance of the question, Wayne? Well, well I was just wondering whether they're um, it, it, is he truly wasting their time, or are they just sitting around pushing papers? <laughs> yeah, they could be counting coins, and I'd rather have coins and dollar bills anyway, even though they're crummy metal well, now. Let's put it this way: it took me so long to earn that payment, to earn that money, they can take that time to count it. That's right, man. I, I'm like you, Mark. I don't know really what to say in this particular case. There's I just not find any it real advice that we as talk right. show hosts can give in this particular uh, circumstance. Right. It makes well, great radio talking about it, though. I, I think, can tell you that. I think it's great civil, civil obe- disobedience. Don't it's, you? it's actually civil obedience, isn't it? I mean, you're not really being yeah. disobedient. They're just the ones that are complaining about the coinage. Yeah, this is right. money just as any other money is. It's a very yeah. subtle form, though, of civil disobedience because you're forcing them to work more than they want to to receive well, your payment. A- there's a Bible passage that says, "Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's." Well, yeah, I don't know if I, um, I, I, th- I don't know if I think that that Bible passage necessarily refers to uh, giving um, back the United States government all of its money. Um, I think that uh, it, it was Jesus trying to slip the noose from the Sadducees' uh, loaded question is what I think that that means. But that's fine. Please, please uh, keep us informed on this, and and good luck getting some better video footage next time, because I could see that going viral on uh, on YouTube. I think a lot of people would really enjoy seeing that, and it might inspire people. Because it's one thing to call Free Talk Live and claim that you did these things; it's another thing to actually have real video is audio or video. Video, of course, would be the best. And, uh, and I have post- a little bit of audio, on, and it's just like I said, it's on the video, and it's just right. Kind of soft, and they need to run it through like an amplifier. Posted on, posted online, people will get ex- inspired by this, and then other people will try to, uh, to 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 copycat you. And I think that could be a good thing. Thanks for the call, Owen. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go to Andy in Arkansas. You're on Free Talk Live, Andy. Hey guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Um, have you seen the uh, email that came out from Ron Paul his campaign yesterday? Uh, is it is it about the shutout in Iowa? Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah, we talked about it last night on the show, um, and I guess the latest news, I'm sure you've heard this, Mark, is that, in case you don't know, Ron Paul, the sort of, uh, I don't know, the, the, the most pro-liberty candidate in the Republican running, he has been shut out from the next Iowa debate, which is coming up at the end of this month, and turns out that the organizer behind the debate is one of uh, John McCain's campaign coordinators. Ah. Uh. Well, I don't know if... <laughs> But what does that mean? I mean, he uh, he invited all ki- he invited Giuliani. Well, you have to invite some people to make yourself look legitimate, but it means that they don't want Ron Paul there. Certainly means that. Well, it looks like they invited everybody but Ron, uh, Ron Paul. Because, I think they had six uh, people. I, I don't know what the list is, but uh, just because they have six people right. they say they're attending doesn't mean that's all they invited, though. Right? Yeah, uh, McCain's not going to be there. Neither Giuliani. The yeah. only. Uh, 
media frontrunner is going to be there is Romney. Oh, and by the way, I think it's also interesting to point out that the, the group that's behind this thing is the Fair Tax Group. And it just goes to show that the Fair Tax people just don't care about small government. They're all about taxes. And if you want the details on this story, go to ronpaul2008.com. All the details on who you need to contact if you, uh, if you want to help out with this is right there. Andy, thanks for the call. Hour 2 is on the way. A little more about Canadian health care and your calls about anything. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line for you. That's one 800 259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Wanted to uh, continue the discussion about socialized health care, or as they call it in the United States these days, universal health care. And of course, uh, what started this whole discussion was, Wayne, you had a review of the Michael O'Moore upcoming documentary called Sicko, and if we get a chance, we might come back into that, because our caller sort of took us off track, and that's the way the cookie crumbles on Free Talk Live, but nonetheless, uh, I found this story a few days ago, when I was just sort of surfing around looking for just stories about Canadian health care nightmares, that sort of thing, the inevitable nightmare stories that you get when you're talking about the the government providing health care. I mean, it's the government. They can't do anything right. They can barely put a road together. You think they can actually take care of you? So I figured I'd share the story of one Jacques Chaouli, I presume, C-H-A-O-U-L-L-I, Chaouli, a 53-year-old French-Canadian physician, according to NationalReview.com, who in June won a health care-related lawsuit, this is June of 2005, related lawsuit against the government of Quebec. Shaouli had alleged that the province's regime of restrictive health care regulations was oppressive to the point of illegality, and the Canadian Supreme Court ultimately agreed. His story is not only interesting in its own right, but also for the light that it sheds upon the strange politics of the country to our north. Before filing his lawsuit, Dr. Chaouli had been practicing medicine in Canada for years. At one time, he was in the practice of making house calls to some of his more enfeebled patients who found it difficult to leave their homes. Shocking. Doctors here in America used to do that, too. Uh, He had even converted his personal car into sort of a makeshift ambulance for emergency situations. But the good doctor's intrepid spirit didn't win him many friends among his fellow physicians. At the time, all doctors in Canada labored under a law that capped the amount of income that a doctor could receive for his public services over a defined period of time. Because doctors were paid by the government, and the government was trying to control costs, it had the income cap set fairly low. Low enough, anyway, so that most doctors could easily reach the cap without having to expend too much energy by doing things like making house calls and working extra hours. Remember, we've talked about the uh, the way these socialist healthcare systems are set up. The doctors don't get paid based on merit. They don't get paid based on customer satisfaction. They don't get paid on any of that stuff that you might get paid on in the marketplace. They get paid on seeing people. It doesn't matter how long they see the people. They get paid. You move through the right. little system. You get approved. You go. You wait for the appointment, and then you get seen, and then you move along, and the doctor gets paid. Right. They they line up as many people as they can in the waiting room, and uh, they just cycle through them as quickly as they possibly can without right. looking like a complete criminal. And so what they're saying here is that they've got this income cap as well. So the doctor can't just keep rolling people through. 
to keep racking up the money. Because then he'd be rich. Right. And the he, rich are evil. He has to stop at a certain point. And yeah. so once he reaches that income cap, hey, that's it. Close the doors. We're done for the month or whatever. I don't know. Play what golf. Right, time to play golf. The period is... But uh, but that's it. Uh, and so this guy was going above and beyond the call of duty. He was just going out and doing things because, well, he's a good man. Wow, and a healer that wants to heal people. Right. Can you imagine? Yep. And so a lot of his uh, compatriots, uh, comrades in the business, are pretty were pretty angry at him for that because he's making them look lazy. Right. Mm-hmm. He's doing the house calls. He's going out jumping, you know, over extra hoops. He doesn't have to necessarily jump over. Because he likes, you know, he likes doing the things that he does, and so it made the, made the other guys look bad. Anyway, they were worried that they were setting too hectic of an example and raising patients' expectations too high. There were whispers that he was making them look lazy by comparison, and well, to put an they are yeah uh, to put an end to the problem. The medical union pushed through a new law imposing harsh financial penalties on doctors who made house calls. Can you believe that? Yeah. How. How does it get that? I mean, really, you're turning people into bureaucrats, and this is what happens. They used to be people that cared, I mean, presumably, in a mm-hmm. marketplace situation, they would, they would care about their customers. In this case, now they're legislating against their competition because they're making them look bad. I mean, this is so twisted. Yeah, it the, sure the, is. There are people that can't really leave their homes, and so it makes sense to do house calls. It's convenient but no, convenience apparently isn't good enough for their customers. They all must be forced into the same one-size-fits-all situation. It's, it's really sick. Anyway, many of the doctors, um, let's see, to put an end to the problem, they passed this new law making house calls illegal, effectively preventing Dr. Chauli from continuing. In protest against the law, Chauli went on a hunger strike. Undeterred by his medical knowledge of exactly what would happen to his body as he starved himself, he went on for four weeks before his supporters prevailed on him to stop, wow. at which point he resolved he could no longer work as a government doctor. Did you he, notice uh, yeah, the government doesn't care whether or not this guy starves to death? No, he was, he was going to die. They, they don't care. They would have been happy, right? I, I, hunger strikes amaze, amaze me because they seem like just the exercise and futility yeah. against uh, government these days. I I don't know if they worked. Like Gandhi went on a hunger strike, uh, and, and it, apparently it had some effect. I don't know, but... Government doesn't care if you starve yourself to nope. death. He went on for, uh, again, four weeks, then stopped, and has then op- then opted out of the state health care system and began making private house calls for private pay. Because remember, the law was preventing the government doctors from making private house calls. So now he's, he's completely out of the system doing it on his own. But try as he might, Dr. Chowley couldn't escape the tentacles of the state. The Canadian government, as part of its effort to maintain tight control over the country's health care system, had forbidden private insurance companies from paying for medical services that were also officially provided by the public system. So for the patients that who could not afford to pay Chowley for his services without the assistance of insurance, there remained little choice but to wait in the long lines that clogged the government health offices. So unless you could pay cash you were not able to use this doctor's services Hmm. by law. Private clinics also were forbidden from providing core health services, but a few black market clinics still serviced patients who are willing to break the law to get treatment. That's right. There are black market clinics in Canada. You You outlaw something, inevitably a black market will be created. Of course. Even healthcare. 
Before long, Dr. Chowley came upon a patient who was waiting to undergo hip replacement surgery. Already suffering from the painful immobility that this illness entailed, the patient had his plight exacerbated by his country's oppressive blanket of regulations. With private clinics prohibited from performing hip replacement surgeries and private insurance companies banned from paying for such services, the patient had no choice but to take a place in the public health rationing line. He would have to endure his crippling condition for an indefinite period until the state decided it could fit him into its schedule. To make matters even worse, there were concerns about the quality of the prosthetic hip replacement that awaited Dr. Chowley's patient at the end of the line. In the, it is the nature of the universal public health provision that quality must often take a backseat to quantity. Any cash-strapped government that tries to provide free prosthetics to all needy recipients will tend to purchase the cheapest units possible. Right. The ones that made out of toothpicks and matches, matchsticks. This was exactly the situation in Canada, says Chowley, and patients were given no further choice about it. To guard against special treatment for the rich, public health patients were prohibited from chipping in some extra cash of their own to upgrade their prosthetics. One size fits all. That's the end of the story. Whether you like it or not. That's right. You take our crappy prosthetic or you get nothing. Mm-hmm. If you even get the crappy prosthetic. For Chowley, the situation had become intolerable. He and his patient filed a joint lawsuit against the government of Quebec for violating the individual rights to life, security, and liberty that were guaranteed by both the Canadian Charter and Quebec Charter. In order to see the case through, Chowley agreed to pay all the costs of litigation himself. He temporarily stopped practicing uh, medicine and began studying law. Luckily, his generous father-in-law from Japan was able to provide financial support, but Chowley still had trouble paying for basic expenses such as food. Eventually, he had to send his wife and daughter away to stay with relatives outside of the country. He also lost many friends who came to view his assault upon the public health care system as either crazy or evil or both. Mm-hmm. And that sort of ties into some of the things we've been discussing recently, these sort of the this mindset of many Americans that have been they've been so brainwashed into believing that the system is necessary, that we have to have government welfare, and we have to have government provide all these services, and that if you challenge that, that you're un American, if you challenge that you're a weirdo, mm-hmm. if you challenge that you should be excluded. Um so same thing going on here. To say that the government's bad at something is somehow makes you un American. Yes. Exactly. So same attitude. So here he is. He's he's uh, his career has been flushed down the drain. His friends have ostracized him, but yet he's going to push through and he's going to fight this case all the way to the Canadian Supreme Court. You don't be- like it? You should go to Russia. On behalf of his patients, well, they, they probably be have better care in Russia. I don't know what their situation is, but it's got to be better than what it was uh, 20 years ago. Anyway, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We'll finish the story coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, completely free, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens and dozens of ladies who sent us their validated photos to prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click Join Us Today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. O-R-G. Talking about a man uh, in Canada named Dr. Chaouli. 
for lack of better pronunciation. Anyways, a 53-year-old French-Canadian physician who recently won a fairly major case at the Canadian Supreme Court level in regards to their messed-up socialist health care system that they have up there. See, Dr. Chowley had been visiting patients at home and uh, sort of just going above and beyond the minimal call of duty that uh, government doctors are supposed to perform in Canada. And a lot of the other doctors were getting pretty upset about it because he was making them look lazy in comparison. See, there isn't supposed to be competition in uh, Canada for health care. Everyone's the same. Right, since this guy wanted to differentiate himself and, and compete and actually help people outside of the system, they started passing laws against him. And so what uh, what he did was he put it all on the line. He gave up his uh, his doctorship. He um, he aligned himself with a, a friend of his or a patient rather who was looking for a hip replacement. But unfortunately, in the hip replacement world in Canada, you have to of course wait for the government to deem you appropriate to get the hip replacement. Then once you are actually finally approved for it, then you have to take the quality the crap quality uh, replacement hip that they want to give you. You don't get to actually upgrade. You don't get to have any sort of say or decision in uh, what they're putting in your body. So he uh, he took this all the way up, and uh, and then as he did this, he's you know he could barely afford it. He used his own money to fund all the costs of litigation. He had some help from his uh, from his family, but he didn't have many friends left after he started doing this because of the the mentality of so many people up there, especially inevitably in the healthcare industry. The mentality that the state is good, the state system is great, Canada's got this great health care system, how dare you challenge it, how dare you challenge the status quo, how dare you uh, challenge the government. So he was ostracized by many of his peers hmm. as a result. Didn't make, things, uh, didn't make life easy for him. But when asked why, and this is the National Review reporting on this, when asked why he chose to endure such hardships to challenge the state medical monopoly, Charlie says, it's ma- uh, says matter-of-factly, quote, The answer is quite simple, because I realized that a number of individuals were suffering and dying from the deficiencies of that monopoly. Translation, he cares. Mm. He gives a damn. Mm-hmm. After Chowley lost in some lower courts, his case finally made it to the highest court in Canada. Everyone was sure that his cause was hopeless, and most Canadian legal authorities dismissed his chances out of hand. It therefore came as quite a shock when, in June of 2005, Chowley triumphed. In a narrow decision, the Supreme Court ruled that Quebec's health care regulations constituted an infringement of individual rights under the Quebec Charter, and that his infringement could not be justified under and this infringement could not be justified on the grounds of any legitimate state purpose. Quote, access to a waiting list is not access to health care. Hmm. Unquote. That's pretty pretty bold. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Pretty bold. An yeah. honest court for a change. Yep, and so the court proclaimed that, going, uh, going on to say that as long as the government was unable to provide effective health services, it had no business preventing its citizens from procuring these services through private means. Uh, it's still unclear whether the principles of the Chowley case will be applied nationwide. He himself is, in, is adamant they will be, pointing out that the individual rights guarantee in the Canadian Charter is similar to the one in the Quebec Charter. In addition, he hopes that the court... He, he rather notes that the court has already decided there's no legitimate state interest in handcuffing private health insurance companies. 
Jolie hopes to employ the same legal reasoning in a wave of new lawsuits throughout the country with the ultimate goal of bringing the state medical monopoly crashing to the ground. If he succeeds, he'll aim to leverage his newfound fame into a business endeavor, providing brand name accreditation for health service providers in a competitive private market. Now, there's more to this particular story, but that's pretty much where this, the part about Dr. Chaoli ends. And I thought to myself, okay, this is a two-year-old story. What's happened to this guy since then, since his win at the, the Supreme Court level? Excellent question, Ian, and that's the reason you're a talk radio host, because you ask the right questions. <laughs> All right, thanks. You do, man. Well, and in this case, <laughs> I, I found the answer, thanks to the Internet. Excellent. Um, from Sam Solomon at uh, the National Review of Medicine.com. Uh, Dr. Jacques Chaouli, the Montreal GP who single-handedly brought Quebec's Medicare system to its knees, is at it again. This is from uh, this year. May 30th, 2007 was when this uh, was published. On May 7th, he announced plans to take his health care privatization argument a step further with the upcoming launch of a private physician services brokering firm. Uh, which is the, apparently it's a new membership-based venture that will allow patients to pay doctors a fee in order to see them faster. And Shocking. Yep. Uh, apparently it's going to be a $40 membership fee, and then there's going to be a $100 general practitioner visit advance fee. I'm not really sure exactly how this is going to tie in with the government system. Critics of the diversion of physician resources will say the we- it will weaken the public health care system. He dismisses those allegations brusquely, saying that they have to think again. He says, I want to protect the public regime. He says his proof is that, the, that he's making doctors who join the group promise to not reduce their patient load in the public system. The idea is they'll see CG patients, Canadian uh, patients, all, uh, excuse me, that's his group, in their spare time. So... He's still sort of he's positioning himself as a friend of the system, um, and I don't know if that's just PR or what. Obviously, I don't. It's know probably the, the right way to come. Yeah, probably is, um, especially after rocking the boat as much as as much as he's done. But it does seem like things are slowly maybe moving in the right direction there in Canada. At least, at least it's not as bad as it once was. I don't see how. Um, I mean, the Canadian government can prevent people from seeking private medical care it seems ridiculous to me well i mean they're trying their best they they tried and fortunately their supreme court uh, said no right but all they did was uh, drive it underground black market health clinics actually exist in canada and maybe uh, maybe through this doctor's efforts things will uh, will change and things are things appear to be moving in the right direction but you know how government is these things take forever in the meantime, people are going to die. In the meantime, people are going to suffer as they wait for these awful government doctors to see mm-hmm. them. Where they're going to be hacked up with, uh, they, they have, a say, a hip replacement and the doctor cuts too much bone and then you've got one leg shorter than the other. All these things happen with bad medical care. Mm-hmm. Yep. With black market medical care, uh, yeah. too. And y- y- there's, no, there's no recourse if you get uh, malpractice or something like that. So. Well, at least in the black market, you can go in with a club and cap, you know, cap some knees or something like that. Oh yeah, I suppose. There's definitely no recourse in the government system. You get what you get, and that's it. And you can't, you can't sue take them. them to court. No. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go back to the sicko review, which you had just barely touched on, Wayne. You'd said that basically, uh, was it uh, r- r- the Raw Story that reviewed it? Yes, RawStory.com reviewed it. Basically, that um, Michael Moore gets his facts pretty straight. Fairly, but, fairly straight. But his conclusion is all crazy. Yes. Right? Yeah. In fact, it says here, the film's most interesting scene is an archived White House conversation between then-President Richard Nixon and his aide, John Ehrlichman, that Moore argues is the starting point of the modern medical health care complex. 
in February 71. Uh, part of hundreds of hours of Nick, Nixon's secret White House tapes, Ehrlich, Ehrlichman complains health maintenance organizations like Kaiser's Permanente thing are now the largest HMO in the country, and they were for-profit. Before that, I guess a lot of medical organizations were not for-profit. I, I want you to explain that a little more to me, because I'm confused. 800-259-9231. Coming up, your calls as well about whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All of the features on the site completely free, including archives and entire year's worth of the show, right there, front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Do enjoy those on us. That is... FreeTalkLive.com. And are you prepared for the day the dollar drops to zero? D2Z.org proposes that day is near. Go to D2Z.org and learn how to survive and thrive during the U.S. dollar crisis. D2Z.org. As we continue to discuss just the dismal situation in that many countries uh, have of universal health care. Socialist medicine is uh, another way to term that. And apparently a lot of people in America are just enamored with this idea. And Wayne, you actually were uh, reading, I guess, a review of Sicko, this new movie from Michael Moore. And I don't know if the review is as interesting as some of the comments on uh, on the article. But go ahead and continue to share some of this and we'll continue to discuss the issue. Yes, I guess uh, he traces a lot of this back to the Nixon administration. And there were hundreds of hours of secret White House tapes. And on there, Ehrlichman explains to Nixon about these health maintenance organizations, which were new at the time, like uh, Edward Kaiser's Permanente thing, as, as he said. And I don't know what that is. Kaiser Permanente. Well, an is, HMO is, a, is, a, is a way to provide health care to people. It's, um, they've, they've gotten a lot of flack over the years, but uh, it's sort of meant to make it co- more cost effective. Yeah, it's a health maintenance organization where you can only use their doctors. It's sort of like a, like a small private socialized medicine little bubble that you floating buy out into. there that you buy into, right? Hmm. So it's almost like a microcosm of, of socialized medicine in a sense because you can only use their doctors, you have to follow their rules. And at the time, I guess what they observed is is that Edward Kaiser was running this permanente thing for profit, and all the incentives were towards less medical care, which socialized medicine is also incentivized towards less medical care. And uh, Ehrlichman uh, said to Nixon. According to a transcript, the less care they give, the more money they make. And, and so Michael Moore uh, bases hmm. the premise of his movie on this, that this is a private uh, health maintenance organization, so therefore uh, the socialized medicine is better, when really they operate almost the same way. Interesting point. So what you're saying is that in this health maintenance organization, they're getting money coming in from their customers, mm-hmm. and um, if they don't give out the best care or they cut costs or they scrimp or whatever and they buy you know cheap stuff, then they keep more of the profits, and right. therefore they but, – but with the health maintenance organizations, you're not tied into it. You, you're not, you don't have to stay with them, right? You can leave, can't that's, you? That's the only advantage over right. a socialized medicine and is you, you can could leave. sue them, which uh, – you can't you, sue the government. Right, you Good can't point. sue the government, which is uh, the, one of the reasons that taking on an HMO sort of um, system is great for the government because, well, 
they really can't be sued. Yeah. Not properly, anyway. It's, it's very difficult. And also in this movie, more documents the revolving door clogged by Capitol Hill aides and industry lobbyists and, and huge sums of money uh, for insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies to buy lawmakers. Uh, but the bulk of the movie is dedicated to personal heart-wrenching vignettes from Americans whose health insurance was denied uh, were, or they were denied necessary care. Uh, there was a woman in this movie whose young daughter died after being denied care at the hospital, not approved by her HMO. Mm. In fact, in one of Michael Moore's previous movies, he, he refers to an HMO as hand money over, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and again, so, you know, the problem with Michael Moore is he does sprinkle truth in there. Sure. But then, but then he leads you in a completely bogus direction. Right. I think he's great at pointing out the problems and terrible at pointing out solutions. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, just, he really believes that somehow the government, which has been so inept in protecting us in the past, can be made to protect us in the future. Yeah. It's a ludicrous socialist principle. The whole idea that, well, look, the government's failed up to this point, and it's largely the responsibility, the fault of the Republicans. If we just had Democrats in there, we could solve this. No. Look, there are plenty, plenty of Democrats elected yeah. to national office um, since 1972 or whatever that uh, the national, uh, well, you know, we had national health care sort of come on the scene. Michael... And it hasn't solved anything. Michael Moore is as much of a victim of the government propaganda machine as anybody else is in America. So it's understandable where you know why he thinks the way he does, because what government does, and they do it in the healthcare world, and they do it elsewhere as well, is they they point to problems. And then they say, well, we need more programs. We need bigger government. We need uh, th- th- this program needs to be expanded in order to solve this problem. What they don't tell you is that they caused the problem in the first place. So all of the problems that the healthcare industry suffers from, tremendous costs. It's not cheap to spend a night in the, in the hospital, let alone have a bunch of tests run on you. Uh, tremendous costs to, uh, to actually go and, and get yourself taken care of on a private basis, and costs that don't seem to be going down, and, uh, and service that doesn't seem to be getting any better. In fact, it seems to be getting worse. I mean, you can point to so many different problems, but it has to do with the fact that the government is in control of it. It may not be 100% in control of it, but it's 52 or 53% in control of it, and that's more than enough to ruin the entire thing. I mean, the, yeah, you can still get okay care, you can get taken care of, but it, you will have to pay through the nose to do it. And so they use those high costs as an excuse to say, this is it, we can't, we need free health care, we should, people shouldn't have to pay these high costs, and he's right, and they're right about that. That's right. People shouldn't have to pay through the nose to get good health care. Yeah. And if it were a free market in health care, then they wouldn't have to, because in, like in any other marketplace that has some modicum of freedom, a significant modicum of freedom, like, for instance, the computer business, Competition brings prices down, brings quality up, makes products more available to the uh, to the mass consumers, and people are satisfied with the products that uh, that they're getting. And you yeah. can still pay more to get better stuff, sure. but you don't have to pay a lot more, and you don't have to pay a lot in general. Yeah. So the same thing can happen in healthcare. That's right. Mark and I were talking off air about insurance and how uh, there's really an incentive for insurance companies to uh, drive the cost of healthcare up because if healthcare didn't cost a lot, you wouldn't need insurance. 
That's, That's an interesting be, point. It used to be a more single-payer system 50 years ago or so. Insurance certainly wouldn't be as expensive. No, it wouldn't be as expensive. I mean, either. how many people haven't heard stories about doctors being paid in chickens by uh, people that, you know, the, yeah. the, the people that they cared for in their local community and doctors taking this? Doctors used to be much more accessible to the average person. Right? Well, my brother, when I was a kid, my brother in the early 60s, he... Um, was sick, and we had a doctor right up the street who came down to the house, walked down with his bag, treated my brother, and my grandfather handed him a ten dollar bill. Hmm. Now this is, I mean, just just think how far removed from what life is like now that is, you know, and and this is within people's lifetimes. Yeah, it and and they don't they can't even uh, fathom it. Right. I mean, kids used to walk down the street with uh, their twenty two rifles, uh, you know, going out hunting squirrels and things like that. Now with something like that, they'd lock down the city. Oh, it's unbelievable. The other problem I have with leftists' uh, view of this is they always get into greed, like, oh, these corporations, these people are so greedy, they want to make profits. Well, there's greed in socialism, too. It's just it's just in government, because uh, bureaucrats can be greedy, too, whether yeah, it's power. Yeah, they're working the system. Yeah, they, they want to build up their little fiefdoms, you know, and, and so there, there's greed in virtually Please, every realm of society. I want my doctor to be fel- a filthy, filthy rich. I yeah. want him to be wealthy beyond his wildest dreams because if he's making profits, it means he's doing good. He's it doing means something that right. he's helping people. Right. Yeah, that's what profits are, are evidence of. The fact that you have profits mean that there are people that are voluntarily purchasing your product, your product or service, and if it's a consumable product or service, they're buying it over and over again. That's a good signal. Yeah. We want that. The biggest problem with, with uh, getting back to a free market is, is that if you try to reform things, there's always going to be those who want to compromise and water it down. And then what you have is you don't really have a true free market, and you have some mix of, of government intervention and free market. That's what we have today. And that's what we have today. And it doesn't work because you've got the government involved, and it really isn't a free market at all. And there are so many different aspects of it. I mean, we've touched on the FDA already, and then there's all kinds of, you know, the Medicare and the Medicaid and the different state uh, health care programs that burden the entire system down with this huge amount of paperwork. So you've got the FDA that prevents you from actually being able to be offered different service or different uh, treatments and that sort of thing mm-hmm. because they just won't allow it. They won't allow um, the naturopaths to make claims and that sort of thing. You've got the FDA preventing medicines from making it to the marketplace in the first place or making it almost insurmountably impossible to actually get to the marketplace and then you've got all those uh, the paperwork regulations that just burden the entire system make it very inefficient make it so that the doctors have to hire all kinds of staff just to fill out the paperwork thereby increasing costs i mean there's so many problems and it's all caused by government regulation 800-259-9231 your calls about anything this is free talk live This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at store.freetalklive.com. Lots of neat merchandise, everything from a huge selection of Free Talk Live branded products and clothing to a few products that don't even have our logo on them, just because we think they're cool. Head over to store.freetalklive.com and get your shopping done at store.freetalklive.com. I want to come back and read some of the quotes, or I guess some of the comments on this review of uh, Michael Moore's movie, Sicko, because you've highlighted some, Wayne, that uh, that you found fairly amusing. We'll get to that here in a few moments, but let's go to the phones first, because you can take control of the airwaves. It's Kevin in D.C. You're on Free Talk Live. Kevin, what's up? Hey, guys. How you doing? Great. What's on your mind? 
Um, I was watching the news, unfortunately, uh, earlier, and um, I saw there was, you know, the police were looking for someone, and they offered a $10,000 reward for someone who can help them. And it just seems to me like that amount and that money is just, like, way out of proportion. Who are they looking for, a cop killer? No, no, no. It's just, just some person, um, a woman went missing, and uh, they found a baby around the same area, so they, they think it's hers. But um, it's ten thousand dollar reward if you can help find that woman. Hmm. Now, well, no, it's hard to call. You know, that's hard. That's hard call to make because who knows what the marketplace would be like, right? I mean, if if uh, if we had free market protection services and investigative services and insurance companies that were uh, protecting people's life and property, then what sort of uh, bounties would they offer? What sort of uh, fees would they be paying for people with information? I mean, well, who knows? I mean, you're right, but. In this case, what happens if you know no one helps them? So what happens to that ten thousand dollars? What happens every other time they don't get to use it? I mean, I where does know. it go? I don't know. Maybe there's a certain part of the uh, the funding for the police or, or the police organizations where they um, they have just a certain segment that they hold for for rewards and that sort of thing. But you're right; it is a completely arbitrary thing. There's no marketplace um, signals involved to say that this is the correct amount that should be offered for this information. It's just a number they plucked out of thin air because they're yeah. Bureaucrats. I mean, it seems like. I don't know if somebody would be less motivated for $5,000 to give up information, but hmm. it just seems like that's that's not what the taxes are for, really. Well, or you know... At I, least I, what they're claiming they're for. I, I'm with you. Again, it's it's completely extra market, so there's no way to say whether or not this is too low of an amount or too high of an amount. It's, it's just a number some bureaucrat yeah. plucked out of thin air. I got I got one other thing to talk about yes, real Kevin. quick. Um, I watched a documentary called uh, In Debt We Trust. It came out last year. I don't know if you guys have heard about it I or have not, talked no. about it already. Um, it's just a documentary about how ridiculously in debt the country is mm. and, you know, the way it's affecting people. Me, I'm a college graduate last year, and I'm over $100,000 in debt. Oh, so you're talking about personal debt, not the, uh, yes. the country's no, debt. No, part of Everything. it is the country. I mean, they, they touched on both issues. Oh, I see. But then they were talking about how the big banks are in cahoots with the government in terms of making regulations as to, you know, people can't declare bankruptcy. Wait a minute. How much debt them. are you in? I'm in over 100000 Oh, my goodness. Now, you're, is you're, that all college debt, or is, do you own a yes. home, too? No, that's all. I'm I'm 22 years old. That's all college. Wow. What did it, now? You graduated at this point, yes? Yeah. What uh, What was that? What did that get you? That hundred thousand bucks? <laughs> uh, it got me a headache for the next 15 years. Um, I have a degree now in in hotel management. Okay. Are you managing a hotel? I am. Okay. Congratulations. Oh, Excellent. That's That's, know, that's, that's damned unusual, by the way. So now, how much money do you think more that you're making if you um, let's let's assume you had pulled out uh, those four, four years you went to school? Yep. Um, let's say that instead of going to school for those four years, you went to work at a hotel for four years. I'd be um, further. To sort of work your way up the system exactly. and perhaps be a manager. Um, how much farther do you think you do you think that you'd be as far along? Do you think you'd be say an assistant manager? Do you think you'd be I don't know managing two hotels? I, I don't know how much farther you can go. And are you making significantly more in order to say pay off this debt in? Five years or something like that. I think it's reasonable to say that your college should be paid off in the first five years. Oh no, not five years. Um, it, I'm on a 15-year plan, so I, I have nine hundred dollars a month in college loans mm. that I pay off because of interest and things. What like about that. the other part? Be... The, hold on. What about the other parts of the question about you know where you would be theoretically oh, okay. if you'd worked well, for those four years? I am. I'm a manager at a single hotel on a company chain, so essentially where I am, anyone could get to. It comes in like it comes into the higher positions when you're talking about like corporate level and you know um, regional directors and things like that. That's mm -hmm. when if I was up against someone who didn't have a college degree, I would get it. Now, do you think that uh, is the regional director the next step above where you are? 
No, no, there's still some more steps. At this point, within one hotel, you don't really need a college degree to get anywhere. How long would it have taken to become a general manager at, the, at that hotel if you were working your way up through the ranks? Um, well, within the company, it's probably about uh, you know, 10 to 15 years. That's how no, long I've, it would take? Okay. okay. I've got three years in right now. So you'd been working there while you were in college? That's correct. Okay. Well, that's good to know because some kids don't even work at all when they're in right. college, and that just seems like a terrible idea. So, so you're saying that – now, did you say you, – I think you slipped this in earlier. Did you suggest that you might be making more if you hadn't gone to college? Um, that's correct. I would be further along at this point. Can you explain that? Well, if I had four years of just straight working in a hotel, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can move up – you can move up pretty quickly in a hotel. Right. I thought you said it would take 10 to 15 years. As, uh, to be a GM. Which you, is what you are right now, correct? No, I'm not a GM. I'm what a manager are you now? in a hotel. You're just like a low-level manager? A department. Head, uh, department head. So okay. Okay. So you're like, what, what department are you heading? Front desk. Ah, okay. So, so I'm, not, I'm not a manager. I'm not the hotel manager. Yeah, I guess when you were saying manager, I was hearing uh, general manager. That's what oh, I no. presumed. Now, no, how long? No, would, no. So that means I need to modify my question then. How long would it take you to reach the level you're at today had you just worked straight and not gone to college? The same amount of time. I, I don't have any boost at this point for going, I see. for going to college. So essentially the degree has not done a damn thing for you. Exactly. So far. I mean, he's 22. Except put you in $100,000 debt. Well, exactly. let's, let's hope that, that uh, it sets him up to... Uh, Make to get farther in the company a little bit faster. I don't know whether um, cost effectively it makes sense. It, it's going to be difficult to gauge that, and that's the problem with uh, when it comes to degrees is people have been sold this bill of goods, and it's difficult to uh, to gauge these things. But mm-hmm. I, I I can't tell from my life that a degree would have done me a bit of good. Would it have been a more uh, Would it have been a wiser decision to have taken out a home loan instead? Yes. Why is that? Oh, you mean to get a house instead? Yeah, to get a house. If you're going to have $100,000 in debt, why not have a home to live in? Right. There's, I mean, there's, you know, there's some investment in that anyway. Right, as opposed to this degree, which is questionable as to whether or not it actually has any value. Maybe I it does, yeah. maybe it doesn't. I'm not 100% sure that owning a home today in today's market is that great of a thing. Um, you're, you're not paying, you're not getting... A, now, when you own your home, which is terminology that people use for something else, which is uh, paying the bank monthly in order to live at a house. Right. Yeah. Uh, Wayne and I were just talking about this. The, the way houses are priced um, today, essentially you're... You're paying. Um, I, I, let's see. On the house I own in Florida, it's um, I'm paying about twelve hundred dollars a month um, to not live there. But let's assume that I was twelve hundred dollars. I could rent that. Um, I could get. Right. As a matter of fact, that's what the rent is on the house. Um, I essentially am paying uh, with with the taxes and, and insurance and all that other stuff. I'm paying I'm somebody s- to live there. I'm not saying it should be an investment necessarily. I'm just saying it just makes more sense. I mean, you're the guy, Mark, that originally convinced me to go out and buy. I a home. I convinced you to buy a home in in a market where you made you could have made money. But it wasn't on that a wasn't home. no? But I didn't make. I'm not going to make money. The reason on it. Is, and, is you did a lot of up, upgrades. Well, whatever, on that. whatever. Um, the, the reason is I wouldn't make what I'm making now if I hadn't done those upgrades. I'd just sell. I'd still lose money even if I. I hadn't done those upgrades um, because the home was in awful condition when I bought it. Mm-hmm. But uh, but still, it's a place to stay that's yours versus rent where you're paying into that other person's mortgage. And that was a pretty powerful uh, motivation for me, Mark. I mean, after having looked back at the f- three years or four years that I had lived in a rental home, that's $40,000 down the drain that I didn't get to put in towards anything. It would have done a lot. It would have done me a lot better had I put that forty grand into something that could be mine when it was all said and right, done. Right, but let me ask you this, Ian. Um, what was your mortgage payment on that house? 
Crap, I don't remember. Well, let's just say it's $1,000. Yeah, okay, something Let's like just that. assume it was. Okay, well, about 800 of that is interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's going to the bank. Yeah, it's going to the, the bank. The banks have a great little system. I mean, uh, 100 years ago, people almost entirely owned their homes, whereas yeah. now they don't. And I'm, all I'm saying is that uh, ha- the housing market needs a good kick in the crotch as far yeah. as the rates go. Um, I think that houses were definitely worth it five years ago to buy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am a little skeptical about buying today. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't like having somebody holding an axe over my head. And when you've I, got a landlord... I, I've never had an, a landlord a uh, come at me with an axe. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, you know what I mean, Mark. Somebody... No, a gatekeeper, somebody who's in control of the property, and you're not. Anyway, Kevin, great call. Thank you, and uh, good luck with your career in, ho- in hotel management. 1-800-259-9231. You definitely the fact have is, more control over property right. when, you're, when you're an if owner, a landlord, but how much more? I'm a, I'm a good tenant. You know, I no, My landlords never had a problem with me. They raved about me. I had no problems with my, with my landlords. Always paid like a day early, the mm-hmm. rent and everything. So I was a dream tenant, right? But... Still, there's that chance that they might sell their house out from underneath you. That new person coming in might be a scumbag and might not like you, might want to just get you out of the house for whatever reason. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of uncertainties there. I still think there's reasons to buy homes just to have somewhere to live. It's just a practical thing. Same reason people should buy cars instead of leasing them. I think, you don't buy it brand new. I think it's better time to buy in maybe six months. Well, whatever. I mean, the prices are dropping. Yes, they are. Where right. they used to be, so it's better time to buy now than it was a year ago, that's for sure. It'll be better a year from now. 1-800-259-9231. It's all speculation, though. It is speculation. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Hour three's coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. That is freetalklive.com. As we roll right into the phone calls, it is Eric in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. What's up, Eric? Hi, guys. I was wondering if you think that people really know what's in their best interest. Do people know what's I, in their What best I think interest? is that's a loaded question. Go yeah. ahead and tell me what specifically you're asking. <laughs> well, I, I'm just wondering because I, I think that it's sort of like a tenet of the libertarian thought that, you know, you let people rule their own lives because they know what's best for them. Um, I but think at the same time, a lot of people tr- do a lot of things that aren't good for them. Well, that's okay because people should be free to make those mistakes. But, While people may not necessarily know everything that's in their best interest, they certainly should be free to choose and then make a mistake and then learn from that mistake so they'll know better next time. I think alcohol consumption in America is a, a really good example that people... People don't know entirely what's um, best for them, but I, I, best is a subjective term. I mean, somebody right. would would define the best life they could have one that was rather short and full of drunkenness, mm-hmm. um, and somebody else would define that life as wasted and uh, sad. Absolutely. So. Yeah. No, I, I do think that people know what's best for them. I think that you may not define best as the, in the same manner that they do, and I certainly won't define it in the same manner that they do. It, it also seems to me like he's trying to go towards, well, uh, you know, we, the government, know what's best for you, so you have to listen to us. And, you know, Mary Ruart says something really interesting in her book. She says, in trying to control other people, ultimately, you are the one who will be controlled. Yeah, it's, I, love, I love that phrase. Eric, your thoughts? Uh, I think that I would generally agree with that. I, I think that uh, you know most people don't necessarily know what's in their best interest because you see a lot of people. I mean, like half the country is overweight. 
So that's a pretty obvious example right there. But at the same time, like you said, I guess they're free to make their own mistakes and well, right, yeah, exactly. You they and know I, the cheeseburgers are good for them. Well, right. You and I see <laughs> that as a mis- you and I see that as a mistake. And I'm somebody that drinks water almost all the time. I see buying a bunch of soda as a mistake. But Mark's here every night with his can of Dr Pepper. Mm-hmm. And uh, for for Mark, there's something that's that is very beneficial about downing that can of Dr Pepper. I don't agree with his choices, but damn it, he should be absolutely free to pour that caffeine down his throat as much as he wants to. Fair yeah, enough. Can I bring up one more really quick? Uh, sure, subject? Eric. Do you guys listen to Democracy Now? No, never. I do. Okay. it's uh, I listen to it pretty much every day, and I not, find it's a pretty uh, moderate and good news source. Okay. Yeah, I've heard those. Uh, I've heard rumors that it's a good news source, um, though it seems to me that it's uh, a socialist rag uh, at the same time. Actually, it's got a lot less commentary than you'd think. It's mostly just presenting the news in a really? pretty moderate way. So why do they, why do they call it. the show Democracy Now? Uh, well, I think that they support democracy, but right. uh, at the same time, I think most Americans support democracy as well. Yeah. All the more reason to not listen. Thanks for the call, Eric. <laughs> Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Well, just because they haven't thought about the idea that democracy is two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner um, doesn't mean that they're bad. People, Many people haven't thought about Oh, come about on. Democracy. They're socialists, and you know it. I don't, I don't, know, don't know if I entirely agree. Democracy is the, one of the keys to socialism. Um, I think that Democracy Now! is a well-produced, good news source that provides people with uh, news that they would not have otherwise gotten. Mm -hmm. You know what it is? is I think people uh, turn to democracy because they feel they're not getting enough of that because their voice is not being heard. And and it's misguided, just like Michael Moore's uh, uh, steering of of his viewers towards socialized medicine. It's it's a very similar thing. So they're correctly identifying certain problems, but then they're saying the answer is democracy. Mm Mm-hmm. Is and, more of what we have, which is more of what we have. Oh, I don't which think is it's more rule. of what we have. I think what we currently have is uh, some kind of uh, corporatist mess, and right. I think democracy would probably be a small step up from what we've currently huh? got. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm pretty sure that there, there, the, the people in this country are democ- uh, democratically elected. I know they call it a representative republic and everything. Yeah, but some, all some the of el- them are, are democratically elected. Right. All, yeah, yeah. So you pretty but, much have democracy, Mark. You don't, don't really have people participating you, in that democracy right, you, because you, they don't feel like they have access to it. And once those people are elected into uh, national politics, they don't listen to their mm-hmm. constituents. They could care less. Mm-hmm. They care more, far more about the lobbyists in Washington. So. And the other thing is is that the big uh, special interests control the media, the mainstream media anyway. And if you have a democracy, it's ruled by the mob, and the mob can be very easily manipulated by the media. Absolutely true. And so rather than it being a rule of law, it's a rule of the mob, the, the mob and, and therefore the politicians and, and the media moguls can manipulate the mob to go wherever yeah. they want it. Yeah, things aren't going to get things aren't going to get better if we make things more democratic. It's it's a I'm myth. Not, I'm not proposing um, democracy as a solution to any problems. Right. I'm only saying it's slightly superior to what we've got. It is only a th- it's but but what you're talking about, Mark, is theory because uh, what you're talking about is this this idea that the people that are in support of democracy have that everyone should have a say and everyone should vote all in the same election and they'll all be able to decide everything democratically and everything will be just wonderful. And you know, you and I know that's just not even possible. It couldn't yeah. even get to that point because of the things that Wayne pointed out. Because the media is there, because the power structure is there, um, because the, you right. know, the the people that yeah. run for these offices are are the elites. Even if the even if regular people were able to run for the offices, it still wouldn't make anything better. Then it would just be regular people enforcing their bad ideas on everybody <laughs> else. And if if we operate our country again by the rule of law, that means the politicians, the bureaucrats, actually have to follow the law too. 
Right. Wouldn't that be a great concept if they actually had fun? Yeah. If you really had the rule of law, if the judges were actually upholding the law of the land rather than what they felt the majority wanted to hear, for example. Mm -hmm. But in order for that to happen, again, once again, a fantasy, because in order for that to occur, then the people would really have to be above the government, in which case, why? I mean, then (laughs) why would you even want to bother having the government in the first place? the, The bottom line is that individuals make better decisions than mobs do. And, that much is true. And I remember uh, talking with somebody who was a theologian about about um, the uh, Jesus being crucified and how Pontius Pilate uh, was saying, you know, the mob was saying, crucify him, crucify him. And Pontius Pilate was saying, well, I can't find any law that this man violated. And they kept demanding, crucify. So he says, okay, whatever. And he, and he did it <laughs> because the mob wanted it and he didn't follow the yeah. law. Yep. 1-800-259-9231. That is the cycle CII toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. So we're, we're never going to be able to get to this sort of point of mass democracy where everyone gets a vote. They get to vote on all the national issues and vote on the all the candidates, blah, blah, blah. You're right. It won't ever get to that point. Um, what is closest to that, though, and that they don't understand, these people that support democracy, is the ability to vote with dollars. That's the most powerful vote you will ever have, and in the free market situation, that is your only vote that you will have. You support the products and the services and the people that you want to support with your money, and if you don't support them with your money and other people don't either, then they'll wither up and they'll go away. Amen, brother. That's the way it should be, and there's no organization needed in that particular case, because with this mass concept of democracy, well, somebody still has to run the elections, Mm -hmm. somebody still has to facilitate that democracy, whereas in the marketplace, there's no facilitation needed. It's individual, it's thousands upon millions upon trillions of individual decisions being made every single instant that all interacts together in this wonderful And uh, somebody would have to write the proposed laws that people would then vote on. One one could hope that... Which would be arbitrary. It would, Who, the, the person writing those laws would be, you know, they're just the elected official, so they're arbitrarily picking out those rules for whatever reason because you couldn't vote, uh, you couldn't democratically decide what those rules were going to be because, once again, who, how, who, right. who decides Who votes the on where the apostrophes are? Who right. votes on where the periods are? Oh, it's, it'd, be, it's, it'd be impossible. It's an exercise in insanity a, and futility. A democracy was so cumbersome that um, they wouldn't, that, that it would simply wouldn't, uh, would be very inefficient and not likely to work at all, and that would probably be the only step up to it. You know, a few years ago, maybe two years ago, there was a big controversy out in California because Arnold Schwarzenegger, the governor, had to decide whether to put someone to death using the death penalty. And and a bunch of my NPR listening socialist friends were talking about it, uh, speaking as if, you know, they could vote and, and, and determine that uh, this was wrong, the death penalty was wrong. And I said to him, I said, you know, that's the law in California right now. If the people in California don't like it, then they should lobby their legislators to change the law. But right now, that's the law. And if that's the law, then the governor is supposed to follow it. Even if you don't agree with it, and I don't agree with it. Hmm. It's very interesting. I have to say that I'm totally against the death penalty, uh, but... Somebody made it the law. And, and going back to your scenario where the government isn't following the law, which it doesn't do, it picks and chooses the laws it wants to follow and when it wants to follow them, the only way to actually get them to follow the law would be to use some sort of um, external force upon them, in which case then they're, you know, they're completely invalidated because they're supposed to be in charge. Of course, they're not supposed to be in charge. We're supposed to be in charge of them, but it doesn't really actually work that way. And were we to actually use force on the government, they would, of course, just turn back around and use force back on us. It's all just an exercise in impossibility. More on, on the way. It's Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features totally free, so enjoy those on us. Some of those features include the wiki, over 1,350 pages. Created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. It's free, of course. That's wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early-out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. That's a man we haven't heard from in quite a while on Free Talk Live. He's still out there. Walt in Kansas City. You're on Free Talk Live listening on KCXL. Hey, Walt. Well, God bless you. Hey, good to hear back from you. Well, uh... You know, I can barely hear you. I, I don't uh, know why that is. I just my phone volume all the way up, so yeah. I can just barely hear you. Okay. Uh, Sorry about that. We can hear you loud and clear, sir. Well, that's a good thing, uh, because, uh, you know, I've missed you guys. They, <laughs> they don't have you on KCXL that I've heard in the evenings anymore, and that really bothers me, but okay. Well, here's what you need to do, Walt. Uh, I know yeah, they love, I know. I know they love you over there at KCXL. Vern, I actually had talked to Vern recently over there at KCXL. He's with the prog- one of the program good directors. Good man. Vern's a good man. Uh, from what I understand, basically, the situation at KCXL is that they sell airtime at KCXL, and mm-hmm. so pretty much we are kind of the show that they run when they can't sell their airtime. Yeah, so, I know. So preemptible. So basically, you know, they're selling vitamins and crap over top of us um, in in KCXL. But you know, they got to do what they got to do to pay the bills. So I don't oh, I don't fault I... them for that. And the the station owner has recently picked up another radio station in the area. It's KCTO. Um, yeah. It's, it's just yep. up the dial. And yeah. I know they're going to yep. be changing the formats of their stations because they're simulcasting right now. And I and rumor has it they're going to put the uh, the new the new station to more of a standard talk format, and KCXL is going to switch to like a health talk format or a health and business talk or something. So uh, look for us to appear on that other station on more of a full-time basis coming soon. Got our fingers well, crossed for it. And, of course, your calls uh, will, will help with that, Walt. Well, hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, and that's good to know. Uh, yeah, I haven't talked to him for some time. Uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, <clears throat> my hand will be in pit bull, and I told you a long time ago what kind of truck would a pit bull drive. Well, a black Peterbilt. Well, <laughs> anyway, I ended up getting a new truck because the Peterbilt, well, it's kind of... <clears throat> so I got my new truck paid for problem. I got big electronic problems with it now. Uh-oh. And uh, uh, I just got done after spending all day trying to uh, get everything, the automatic transmission to talk to the engine, and they won't do it. But anyway, that's not what I'm calling about. Why are you calling? Talking about... Alex talking about these poor folks, the Browns up there in mm-hmm. the Free State. Yeah. Well, it's not free and yet. <laughs> We're working I on it. I am really, yeah, it isn't a Free State yet. I am really concerned because, you see, I am in that same boat. Yeah, because I was going to say. I told the IRS many years ago, just show me the law. Right. Well, the last time we talked to you, uh, the tax guys were after you, right? Well, you know what? I, I traced everything down. And they put a lien on me. Oh, no. But not on anything. They put a lien on my credit report. What? How can you put a lien on a credit report? What are you going to do, sell your credit report and they're going to get their money? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a way to harass. Yeah. Mm, 
yeah, I need to put a lien on their credit report because uh, I'll settle for the difference. They say I owe them 6000 and I know, as a matter of fact, for the last 10 years, they've at least lied to me where I've paid them, overpaid $30,000 because you guys don't have a law. So send me 24000 and... We just won't do any business anymore. In fact, I haven't done any business with them since 2000. Yeah, it doesn't sound very likely you're going to get that money, but uh, hopefully they'll yeah, leave you alone. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? If I have a calling at my front door like the Browns do, uh, you know, I'd really like to have some help, not necessarily in the form of, uh, shall we say, equipment, but witnesses. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's one of yeah. the one of the main reasons that's, why uh, free staters are going over to, there to see uh, uh, Ed Brown and uh, Ed Brown. Yeah, there. Exactly. There, there we need there. to witness the assassination at the new North Waco. That's everybody uh, and that's an needs issue. to be the witnesses for the assassination at the new North Waco. And Randy Weaver, who I also know, along with Alex Jones, Alex Jones has been reporting this. Randy Weaver, who I know is up there. Now, I didn't know him before that thing happened. I met him after all of that happened, and that's how I met him, was through the sale of his books and stuff, and I buy all his books just simply to keep him, you know, in money. Now, is, but, he, a, is he a white supremacist, Randy Weaver? <laughs> we don't know. That's, 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 that's we can't news, figure it so it must be true. <laughs> that's what I uh, heard. Yeah, I right. Yeah, and if you believe what's on the news, I'm going to tell you. People would probably call me a white supremacist, too. You know what? My ancestry is of German descent. When they came to America, I guess they American, they married uh, Cherokee Indians. So, you know, I'm kind of uh, torn in between. No, mm -hmm. I am an American. This is my country. My country tis of thee. Seal our borders, that. by the way, before you try to introduce any of these trashy bills. And oh, Walt, come on, we've talked about this before. You know anyway, better than that. Okay. Okay, forget all of that. Right now, my concern is the Browns. Yes, and, yeah, and, and we're concerned as well, because uh, we're only an hour and a half away from the Browns' house here. I've actually been up to the Browns' home. I've been inside it. I've met Ed, and uh, you know they're, they're just good people. Um, they're, they're not hurting anybody. All they did was keep the money they earned and decide on their own how to spend it, save it, and give it away. And that's, that's not a crime. They haven't harmed anybody. And there are people that are up there with the Browns. They are um, sort of basically camped out up at the house up there. But the trick really comes in, which, as you probably know since you've been following the situation, Walt, about a a week or so ago, the feds surrounded the property, and they kicked people out of their homes who were living in the area, and they made it so not even the news media could go in. And so if there are people up at the Browns right now, I hope they've got video cameras. I know they don't have power. Um, it's, it's a mess of a situation, and when they are going to make that move, they're going to do their best to keep people from seeing what happens. And so I agree completely with what you're saying. People well, need to be on the ground, on the scene, with video cameras, with oh, recording yeah. devices. Well, I understand. They had a press conference, and uh, Alex played part of it live, and I guess Randy Weaver and Ed still have uh, cell phones that, you know, I guess if nothing else, they can run them out to their car and plug, plug a charger into their car or their truck or whatever, you yeah. know. 
And well, they do uh, have so a generator. They, they have uh, they have wind they have wind power and solar power, and they've got a generator on site. I think. Uh, so should everybody. And so the, should everybody. God bless them. I love them, man. Hey, hey, Walt. We love hearing from you, man. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine. Call back again soon. Yeah, and call your local station and uh, ask them for free talk live. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Well, they they have a page on the the wiki uh, at wiki dot free talk live dot yes. com on uh, Walt. I imagine that, there's a uh, there's a whole bunch of callers that have their own pages, mm-hmm. and, and I think Walt is the most popular page even still today. yeah you know it's been a while since he's called maybe maybe right. as much as as long as a year maybe yeah but he was really a um he, he was just a staple caller very early on especially when we were pretty much only syndicated on kcxl <laughs> yeah, but, yeah that's true you know he, he was great and uh it's, it's nice to hear from him i'm glad he's doing well i kind of thought about him the last couple of uh months and and wondered if if the irs things had gone badly how his dogs were doing he sort of lives on a uh giant like a junkyard like, in, in the middle of kansas city someplace with barbed wire fences and everything yeah, yeah. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL cai toll free line for you on the way still uh, some of the comments the comments from just a bunch of ignorant americans that wayne's going to share with us about the uh, sicko movie more on the way it's free talk live would you like to help others find free talk live you can help us advertise market and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features for free. Get signed up for the updates and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You can get on the updates list by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Pop quiz. What do Washington politics and libertarianism have in common? Answer very little. The Prometheus Institute at readpi.com is looking to make a real impact in Washington, not in 40 years, but right now. To find out what makes the Prometheus Institute different from all of the other flatwater political think tanks, visit readpi.com as we go to the phones. Talk to Todd in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Todd, what's on your mind? Hey, what's, what's up, guys? You tell me. What's going on? Hey. Hey, um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but uh, my state is actually uh, in pretty bad shape economically. Uh, Currently, uh, we're facing an $800 million deficit um, that's actually killing the state as it is. Okay, definition of a deficit is where the government spends more than they have budgeted. So it's different from a debt. Right, it's like going into the red for a year kind of situation. Now, a a deficit can compile into a debt um, if they don't pay it off the next year or something like that. Yeah, so how much is the state's budget? How, How does this deficit compare to the budget, do you know? Um, as far as I know, currently, um, the state's budget, if I'm, if I read this correctly, it's about 1.9, uh, billion dollars. I, I, I could be off on the figure. And the deficit uh, is 800 million? Well, no, um, or, or, um, I'm, 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 well, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking that it's, well, 802, 802, um, million dollar deficit, but we're talking about, uh, somewhere, uh, I'm guessing around, um, probably around 700 uh, million deficit. I can't remember the exact figure. It's, you, you, it sounds it, to me like it's a significant percentage of the actual budget. That's a that's a huge uh, that's a huge number. Which state did you say you were in? That is a huge number. Michigan. And this Michigan. was reported uh, by the Detroit Free Press and the News last month. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I'm sorry to say, but um, this uh, we, we are now experiencing a depression in the state. Really? Well, of course, Detroit's in a, just a messed up yeah, situation. That's, that's the Rust Belt there. Yeah. Yeah. And let's uh, let, let me point out the fact is that um, the automobile has been in a gradual, well, in a very significant decline. And uh, we're talking about manufacturing jobs um, are pretty much gone. And uh, this state, which used to be the hub of the automotive industry of, for the entire country. Right. Is, the world. Yeah, for the world. And uh, Ford Motor Company, my father used to work for Ford Motor Company many, many years ago. And uh, at the time when Ford was riding high, you know, uh, I remember the stock price was something like 30 or $40 a share. Now it's about less than $10 a share. And, mm. uh, and of course, you know, I was talking to a, a CPA who was saying that Ford's, um, Ford has no chance of getting out of its uh, uh, condition. Um, there's just no, simply no way. It, it, it can't pay the bills. Its operating cycle is in uh, the crapper. And, uh, and the only way that it could save itself is, is through another federal bailout. What are some of the other uh, – you claim that the state's in a depression. What are some of the other indicators that, uh, that are showing that? Besides well, the housing, besides the uh, dismal housing market for one in uh, thing, Detroit, uh, there's really no. Um, um, well, for one thing, we do have a, a single business tax, which is basically a 1.9 percent tax, which is almost like a value add tax. And basically, what it is is it's a tax on the receipts the businesses earn. Um, it's a job killer. It's been for many years. Mm. Um, the state legislature did. Uh, sunset that law, and it's supposed to um, um, it's supposed to be repealed by the end of the year. But my state's uh, governor Jan- Jennifer Granholm just wanted an alternative business tax. You know, her attitude was, well, basically, well, you know what? Well, we'll we'll get rid of the the, the single business tax if you replace it with a tax that doesn't affect the revenues. In other words, don't cut spending. We'll just keep spending levels the same, but we'll have a tax that will keep spending levels the same, even though much likely spending levels are going to get higher um, each year. Well, of course. Lot. I mean, government, that's what government does. They spend more yeah. and they spend more, and it sounds like they're spending um, $700 million more this particular year. And so you're saying that not only is the state in a depression um, and people are losing jobs and housing values are drastically falling, but also well, the government is still spending like, uh, hey, it's party time. Well, let me put it this way. State economists um, um, estimated this year that uh, the total tax revenues for this year were supposed to, um, um, were to be uh, 195 less than what they expected in January. You know, and, uh, what, the government, what the people in the government believe is that, in fact, the economy can't exist without them, as though the, <laughs> the government isn't a product of the economy, right. which is what it is. Yeah. Um, the government is a it, – it's, it's like a leech that shows up when, it has, when there's blood around, um, it, whereas they believe that, in fact, the leech – the leech probably does believe this, that it's running the show. <laughs> the government believes it's running the show, yeah. and it's not is all you're going to do, Mr. Leach, is die when the economy dies. It sounds to me like you're and in a... you're going to help a, kill it. It sounds like, to me like you're in a mess of a state, and uh, I don't know if there's any solution beyond getting the hell out and coming to New Hampshire, really. 
Um, actually, I'm, I'm really considering that. But, sure, it's, a, uh, it's a good it's, idea. It's an excellent time to visit this week. Uh, Porkfest is going on, and there's lots of people. I just met with a, uh, a person here yeah, that was um, visiting the Porkfest today. Um, I, I really felt bad for the college students who are um, graduating from this year because they're going to have uh, more than a tough time trying to find a job in Michigan, and they're not going to find it. They're going to probably find it maybe out in the other eastern states, maybe you know, out in North Carolina. Or, Tom, thank you. Or, yep. Thank you for the update, man. We really appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That's not going to be, I mean, it's not just going to be Michigan soon. It's going to be a lot more places. And, and the auto industry has been laying off tens of thousands of people between um, uh, GM and Ford mm-hmm. and Chrysler. And then you have all these other companies that service them, whether they make auto parts, mm-hmm. alternators. There's a lot of industry around their uh, support industry that's being hurt as well. And that's why I remember you did that story a while back about how you the people are buying houses now for less than they can buy cars. Yeah, in Detroit. In Detroit, right. Right, and so as uh, people start losing their jobs, they start conserving their money more, they're spending less, it's classic depression, mm-hmm. right? They spend less, people aren't getting as, making as much money at their businesses, so they're cutting jobs, and it's, it's just a nasty uh, situation to be in. All the while, the government is going to say, hey... We're not getting as much money as we used to get. No, we need to uh, Rank uh, raise it up. Raise taxes. taxes. We, we do a lot of great things for the people. We we have to make sure we have enough money to be able to provide them with the services that they are used to. So we're going to have to tax heavy, yeah. harder. We need to build a new school because the children have to sit down and on the floor and eat their lunch. Right, and they'll use the poverty of the the increasing poverty of the people as an excuse to do that. Oh, it's clear people are having a tough time. Government needs to until step they in. taxed everyone out of town, county, state, or. Whatever it is that they're doing, um, you know, wherever it is that they're in control of, this is this is what happens. Like I said, I was reading that uh, Walton Street Tycoons, that uh, book I was telling you about last mm-hmm. night. It's it's excellent, and it points this same thing out, the same phenomena. This little city and um, little town in New York, Walton, is uh, taxing the crap out of people to the point uh, that they're leaving town, and, yep. and they can't sell their houses because everybody's selling their houses, right? Which drives yeah. down the cost of um, the value of houses, which then the people that are say- staying, um, the revenues that they're getting from property taxes go down. So what do the bureaucrats do? Well, they they, they up ratchet it up again, yeah. yep. and then the, the, the cycle starts all over again until Ugh. people are not paying anymore. It's, it's, it is a mess. I'm waiting for them to pass laws that say you can't leave. That was, I was, that's what I was thinking. Are they going to build a fence next around the state? That's right. 1-800-259-9231. Let's go to Paul in Alberta, Canada. You're on Free Talk Live, Paul. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. What's up? Um, so I have a problem here I'm basically needing some help on. All right. Um, it, it's sort of a pseudo-girlfriend issue. Oh, okay. Boy, a personal problem. We don't oh, get that. Yeah, that. we got to change the topic up. Great. Right? So we've been seeing each other for about a year now, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I like to kind of be there to help her with things, and I've ran into a problem that I don't know the answer to, and I need your guys' advice. We'll find out what that is in a moment. Hang on, Paul. We're coming back to you. 800-259-9231. Paul's got a girlfriend problem, and if you have a solution, get your phones ready at 800-259-9231. want to hear from you on this as well. This is your show. Of course, uh, the panel will chime in also. This is Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time, maybe, for your call at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can, as always, join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there completely free. Those other radio talk show hosts want to charge you for accessing their websites. We do it all for free, but we do ask that you voluntarily support the show. It's up to you. So if you like what we're doing, send us three bucks a month through the AMP program. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com and get signed up. It's very simple concept. Any major credit card, PayPal, there are alternative options as well. But we make it easy, costs you less than a cup of coffee, and uh, it makes a big difference for us because when a bunch of people send us that $3 a month, it really adds up. And we can take that money in and turn it around into advertising for the show to promote Free Talk Live, to get on more radio stations around the country, and thereby spread the message of freedom and liberty. If that's valuable to you, get the details. Amp.freetalklive.com. You'll also learn about the perks that you get access to as well. That's amp.freetalklive.com. As we go back to, uh, back to Paul in Alberta, Canada, who is just getting into um, to tell us a story, uh, an issue that he's having uh, with his girlfriend. So uh, we're going to try to, I guess, try our best to help with the situation. What uh, What's going on, Paul? All right. So here's the deal. Now, I'm the kind of person who likes to have an answer to everything, right? And so whenever somebody's having a problem or they have a question, they always come to me and ask me for, you know, an answer, right? Okay. So I was talking to my girlfriend uh, today, and she brought up something very interesting, and I don't know the answer to this, and I need some help here. Um, you know those old men who are kind of overweight, and when you look at them from behind, it, their pants look like they're pulled up to their shoulders, but when you look at them from the front, it looks like they're hanging down at their waists. But what's the deal with that? Why do pants uh, ride up uh, far? Why do old men's pants ride up farther on their uh, backsides than uh, on their front sides? Their bellies, their bellies push yeah, the pants down in the front. It's the size of their prodigious stomachs that push the uh, pants downward. There if, you go. If you saw their belts, you'd, you'd notice they have a funny little, uh, you know, rolling hill in them too. Does that help you, Paul? It does, it does, definitely. Wasn't a huge issue, but thanks for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Hey, if it helped hold someone through a break. That's the important part. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> if his girlfriend said something about him looking like that. Everybody thought it would be uh, it'd be relationship advice from DJ McDreamy, but I thought it was going to be a relationship yeah. call. I love those. <laughs> Let's go to uh, it is another Paul in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amplifier Line. Hey guys, how you doing? Great. What's on hey, your mind? I got a very interesting story. Um, I, I was listening to some of your archives, and you're talking about you know you know the government and, and the government's uh, point is just to get money out of people. Listen yeah. to this one. Listen to this one. <clears throat> Yesterday, I'm um, not yet. Yesterday, exactly a week ago, I'm driving down a road with my buddy. My buddy, in his car, I'm riding, you know, passenger, and he gets pulled over and gets arrested. Arrested? Yeah. The, you know, I'm making a long story short. Mm-hmm. He, he gets pulled over, and he, get, he gets arrested, and I, and I asked the police officer, I said, what is he being arrested for? He said he didn't pay his dollar ticket. I was his like, what? His dollar ticket? Yeah, his dollar ticket. I was like, what? So, so anyway, so he, so he goes to jail, and he go, this is a Friday night, so he's held over until Monday. And he doesn't actually get released. My, his, his father and I go down and bail, try to bail him out on Tuesday morning. You could have just paid the dollar ticket, right? <laughs> well, get this. This is what this was all about. He go, him and three other of his buddies go down to Baltimore, and they're riding the public transportation where you buy a ticket for a dollar. Okay. Okay, and then during their night, three of the four throw their tickets away, but they continue to ride. And apparently they came to a stop, and Baltimore police started checking tickets. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't. Three of the four didn't have their tickets because they threw them away. He happened to be one of them, and they, they, the three that didn't have the tickets got cited, got citations. However, the citing police officer cited one of the individuals twice, but with my buddy's name on it. Ah. So, so when, when so he it's a mistake. It, oh, jeez. 
So he didn't get the citation there at the, at the site, nor did he get anything in the mail because it all went to his other buddy's house. Hmm. So that's what, hence that's why he got pulled over a week ago. So we're in court, and the you know the judge charges him a hundred and one dollars. So wow! Not only did not only did he have to stay in jail for almost five days, get arrested on a Friday night, lose his job by the way because he because he failed to, to appear at work for two days straight. Oh my goodness! Right now he has to pay a hundred and one dollars, all because of one dollar. And the cop is the one that botched the job up. Yeah, botched it all up. Amazing story. Uh, wow. So. Here he is, standing in this courtroom with his judge, leering down at him over this $1 issue. And how much did it cost them to put uh, put him in jail for five days? Well, exactly. Because they allowed me to speak, but I wasn't a witness. So I spoke, and I, and I addressed the court, and I said, you know, I never call him your honor. I just call him judge because they have no honor to me. Yeah. And, and I was like, judge, you know, how, how does, the, how does the, uh, the city justify having, uh, you know, I'm not going to name him, having him in jail for, for this amount of time, for that expenditure, then the the expenditure of, of impounding his vehicle, then he's got to get, then he's got to pay to get his vehicle out because they wouldn't let me take it, take it, you know, all because of one dollar. I said, are you in America or are you in Russia? <laughs> what did he say? He threw me out of the courtroom. I bet he did. Hmm. Wow, an amazing story, Paul. Thank you for really sharing is. it. Yeah, you got a good barb in there at the end, though. Right. 1-800-259-9231. It just goes to show how backwards this government is. I mean, there's no fiscal responsibility or or uh, fiscal conservatism going on here. They have a rule. They have a law, and they believe it was broken, so any amount of resources will be thrown at that particular violator, in this case, the guy who didn't pay the dollar ticket that he didn't even know he had to pay. You know, what I wasn't clear about, though, is is because he threw away his ticket. Was he riding beyond uh, the scope of his original purchase ticket, or did he just not have the ticket with him? Yeah, I, I was wondering the same thing, uh, but you know, it's it's a dollar ticket, so I didn't think to, to, to really ask the question. Because I mean, a lot of was time, he, yeah. was he uh, in some way uh, jilting the system, or did he just toss his ticket because he was already on the bus? Right. Because if you pay for a credit or a ticket with a credit card, obviously you'd have a receipt. You'd have proof <laughs> that you actually paid for the ticket that mm-hmm. day. Right. Or if maybe sometimes these machines now will spit out uh, this t- is a, uh, receipts, too. Right. A bus ticket. I've never been on a bus that actually gives you tickets. You just put money in, and the bus driver lets you on. And if well, We you, were you in Washington, a- D.C., where there was this subway thing where you had to buy a, like, a didn't you have to buy a ticket in advance? Well, you bought, um, like, a little card, and then you'd swipe the card and, and take the, uh, it would take the toll off of it. Yeah, I don't really remember how it all worked. It doesn't really matter. The the, the point is, you know, th- it's, this was a dollar issue, mm-hmm. and look at how the government spends its resources. It spends thousands of dollars chasing after one person who didn't pay the dollar ticket. That's just fiscally insane. No business person would ever uh, would ever engage in a practice like this, but yet it goes on on a daily basis in government. This is just one example. Who else was in that courtroom that morning? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Enough time for Carl in Montreal. You're on Free Talk Live, Carl. And thanks for putting me on again. What's on your mind? Yeah, I'm from uh, that area. I think you were talking about the Mark train. It's like a commuter train. They give you a little ticket to ride on in the you, Baltimore area because okay. I'm from DC area. So, hmm. that's so you not get what I'm the ticket, about. and then what happens? So you get the ticket, and then you have to pay when you get off, or no? You just hold the ticket, and you can pay like a dollar to ride a couple stops, and maybe pay two dollars to ride a few more stops. It's like an increment depending on how far you go. Gotcha. But if you don't have a ticket, then they think you snuck on. Yes. Understood. So what's on your mind tonight? Well, a couple things. Um, 
this thing uh, it was on Alex Jones' show. I've tried to ask this question a few times. The World Trade Center. Why don't you call his show if you have I a tried. question about Alex Jones? Well, but, but we aren't the Alex Jones show too. So um, why don't you frame your question without mentioning other radio shows? Because we're on a lot of stations that Alex. Yeah, is not. people don't know who that is. Go ahead. Okay, the uh, bodies in World Trade Center Seven that those witnesses saw from FEMA. Did they say how those bodies died? Do you ever heard anything about that? Were they killed by the explosion? No, and why they... should I care? No, I don't know anything about the bodies in, uh, in WT7. Why, sh- why should I care, Carl? I don't know. It's something that just came out. It was revelation, and it could maybe shed a lot of light on this whole 9-11 thing, you know? Well, well who, who cares, though? I don't really? know that... Who cares? I don't, I, I don't know that uh, we're <laughs> ever going to see light shed on the 9-11 thing, because I, I, it's, I sort of... Uh, I parallel it to the Kennedy assassination. Here, 25 years later, maybe even more, uh, maybe 35 years later, I don't know, um, we finally found out uh, from one of the people on their deathbed that, in fact, uh, it looks like it was all a setup by, I don't know, the CIA, Lyndon Johnson, who knows. Let's bring him up on charges! And, you know, they're going to get away with it, and that's the way, that's what happens with big government. When you put... A, a powerful government there, the nastiest people in the world, the people that want it the most are going to do whatever it takes to get in charge of that power because they want that power. Really what the problem is, is a large, powerful government, not that they did something evil right. with it because that's really just that, – that, that, that's a foregone conclusion. All the, They're going to do evil things all, with this powerful organization. All of the discussion and time and effort spent on investigating 9-11 doesn't do jack squat towards getting government smaller. Doesn't do jack. What do you think, Carl? Yeah, I agree. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. It's a, it's a colossal waste of time for those people that otherwise would be good activists. They would be good activists. I mean, if you look at shows like That Guy's Show um, and other shows that spend a lot of an inordinate amount of time on the 9-11 thing, and now you look at some of them are supporting Ron Paul. Now they're finally doing something productive. They're doing something into the future. They're doing something that could have an effect sometime from now on, right. as opposed to just ruminating about the past. It's been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And as Mark said, it won't make a difference even if you can prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. No one's ever going to be brought up on charges. And even if they are brought up on charges, it won't change the system. It'll just make room for more scumbags. See you tomorrow night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.